This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. In 2010, a crack Magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mise they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. It's just like, why? Not everything I do is, like, horrible. <laughs> like, yeah. You can't have it both ways, old man. <laughs> Jay Boosh. Damn it! Why am I always so ahead of the curve and then somebody like Owen makes a deck popular and now I sound like every deck brewer on the planet. Scotty. It's actually a secret ploy for her to get you two to spend more time together. If mom next levels you. <laughs> like, serious. And Jeremy. Do you know how hard it is to buy Korean singles? No. And when you put Korean singles into Googles, do you know what you get? You don't get magic cards. <laughs> and now, the A-Team. Welcome to episode 178 of the A-Team. Uh, I'm Jay Boosh, joined by uh, Scott McCallum. Hello. Uh, fart Schofield. That hurts my feelings. No, it doesn't. You don't have feelings. You're a fart. Uh, <laughs> K-Y-T. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? That's hey, like that's too much energy for this intro, yeah, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> tone it down. Holy Jeez, shit. relax. Tone it the fuck down. Um, and then we are joined by a special guest as well, uh, the former biggest enemy of the A-team, uh, Cedric Phillips. Yep. <laughs> well, that's me. Thanks for having me back on, you fags. <laughs> <laughs> what did we say about energy? Uh, sorry, I was mainly, I was mostly disrespected because parts do have and that's not a nice I, I would agree. Cedric, that's awesome that we have you back. We're very excited. Despite the uh, level of excitement within within our introduction, we're kind of like saving it all for you know a consistent demonstration across the show. <laughs> Don't let him control us. <laughs> we will do whatever we want, whenever we want. Welcome to the A Team. It's like you've been here before. I yeah, second time. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I have no idea what's going to happen, and that's why it's fun. I love second it. Second time, really? Is that all we got? Is a second timer? Like we've had. Oh, a you guys, you guys hate me. Open, so. <laughs> <laughs> So, so funny enough, um, Cedric, you were on one of our most highly acclaimed episodes. Yes, uh, we were we were talking about uh, the M thirteen spoilers, um, and we were talking about specifically like Thrag Tusk and Thunderma Hellkite and all of those things. And I was very clearly indicating that the set was bullshit. And then, of course, Thrag Tusk and Thunderma Hellkite decide to define our standard format for the entirety of their duration. I mean, I hate to say that you told us so, but you told us so. It's a great song by the Hives. <laughs> it's really good. Also, I really like when that happens and when I'm the one that does it. Uh-huh. Look, that set was sweet, and I top eight a Grand Prix in that limited format, so it is near and dear to my heart. It's true, and you were talking shit to your opponents the entire time. I, that may be true. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like it was a while ago, so I'm not sure. Was it more like you were just pointing out everything they did wrong and making sure that they understand why it was wrong? That's in my range. Okay. Um, I don't remember too much shit-talking of people I didn't know. 
So I played a feature match against Jason Ford, and I've really Jason Ford and I were just trash talking each other for the duration of the match because we're really good friends. Um, I hope the mic didn't pick up what we were saying because it was pretty bad. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun, so there's that. It was very clear that there was some lively and witty banter that was being exchanged. Whether the details of those specifics were broadcast or not is still sort of you know up in the air, but there are some words that the mouth says that are pretty easy to pick up by reading lips, even to the most <laughs> novice Look, I like to have a little fun when I play some magic. I like. Hey, to have well, who told you you could have fun playing magic? In case you <laughs> know, didn't it's... know, you can't have fun in the magic community anymore because fun is offensive to everybody. <laughs> Trust me, I've uh, I've found that out over the past uh, over the past calendar year with my new job title and the things that I can and cannot do because people get offended really easily. Actually, yeah, so, Cedric, would you say that you need to disregard fun? Um, oh, I see what you did there. That's good. That's good. Disregard fun. Acquire not fun. Keep seven. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know and been living under a fucking stone, uh, Cedric was on last and he was pimping his stream. And uh, he was, you know, inside information quickly became... Uh, one of the top streams um, in the game. Uh, you were obviously instrumental in creating the first stream testing team with uh, MJ and Adam Prozac, and I think there was some other guy that I don't know who it was, and that's fine. Uh, Greg Hatch, but he didn't really do it very much because he's very inconsistent and does not schedule things in his life. That was the guy. So, um, obviously, uh, you found a, a good amount of success with that, and, and the exposure was was very good for you. Um, how, how, did, how do you feel that went, like, as an accomplishment? Is there, you know, talk about that briefly. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, honestly. Um, I would actually like, I would have liked to continue doing it. I still actually do want to. It's kind of an unfinished project, in my opinion. Like, I think a lot of people liked it. Um, like, as far as, like, you know, a team sort of thing and letting the community join in, like, I think a lot of people liked that. Um, I sold shirts that a lot of people like, and I actually still just have like seven other shirt designs uh, that I wanted to like actually produce and sell and all these different things. Like that was actually my goal for a very long time, which is to make that like a big thing and, you know, have it so that one of us was streaming at some point in the day. So you could always find a member of the stream team on and adding more people to the team, kind of like what League of Legends does with like team solo mid and some of the other teams out there. That was basically, you know, my goal and my vision. Uh, things changed pretty quickly, uh, with the job at SCG. So I didn't really get to keep doing, you know, keep doing that stuff. Um, and I also just had to kind of put like a back burner on playing magic. Like I qualified for pro tour return to Ravnica and then MJ and I tested for the pro tour. Uh, we live streamed all of that. And then, um, it was like after that tournament, you know, like the new year passed and stuff like that. And like goals kind of changed. And then I started getting into coverage more. And then I got offered the position to be the content coordinator SCG, and then you can't play Magic then. So, um, like, I would love to continue to do the, to do those things uh, as far as streaming and the stream team and all that stuff. But uh, there's only 24 hours in the day, which is unfortunate. So it's it's funny that you. Um, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because the content coordinator job was something that I mean, when you when it got announced that you were the one, it kind of came on the back of some controversy unto itself. Um, and 
I mean, like we were all very familiar with, you know, Lauren Lee having that sort of position. And then it came out just before you announced that, that, that the position was yours, that, uh, she was no longer, uh, going to hold that title. So whether she was let go or whatever the, whether it was amical or not, who knows, but you know, you kind of came in on the back of, you know, already some controversy. Um, how did it feel to kind of like step into that position in the midst of all of that? Um, well, in the same fashion that it came out of nowhere that she was being let go, it came out of nowhere that I was being offered the position. Um, if you read the article that I put up, uh, I think it was like last week on Star City, uh, called, like kind of talking about how I'd been there for a year in that yeah, position. 365 days and counting, I think is what it was called on yeah. the select side. You guys can check yeah. that out on StarCityGames.com. Like I, uh, you know, it just, <laughs> that's really good, actually. That was I mean, it, it's like I've done it once or twice, right? That is really good. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. Um, um, it just, it also came to, came out of nowhere for me. Like, you know, again, I was just called in like the middle of coverage when Evan knew I was on a break and he offered me like the job and I'm like, I don't know what that means. He's just like, do you want to be online? He's like, I'd like to offer you the position as online content coordinator. I'm just like, yep, I don't know what that is, but I think I'm interested because I don't have a job really besides doing coverage, you know, once a month. And then like, he gave me all of the details and I read them and I'm like, I don't know what any of this means. It's stupid. <laughs> So then I went over to Glenn Jones and I'm Glenn, I'm like Glenn, what's all this stuff mean? And he's like, I think that's what Lauren does. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I was just like, yeah, I I don't know what's going on, but I'm interested in the position because I like a full time job. And he's just like, well, it's pretty hard, and you don't have a lot of free time if you do this, especially if you're a new commentary. And I'm like, well. I like to work and I don't really care. And I've been basically sitting around streaming and then just like doing coverage or practicing doing coverage. So I've got, I definitely had some free time and I'm like, sure, let's, let's go for it. And you know, I've had the job since and it's been a, it's been a roller coaster ride. So, so true or false. The first two questions that you asked Evan in no particular order were one, how much do I get paid? And two, do I have to wear pants? False and false. <laughs> <laughs> actually like the first question i asked him honestly was just like what the hell does all this mean like because i just don't know like I, I didn't really like know like the job description was like pretty long of like all the things they wanted me to do and some of them were just you know like things i'd never read before and it didn't hit me that it was just like hey you're in charge of the website dumbass and i'm like oh okay that's all you had to say and i understand it for now but like there was it's obviously laid out in like a corporate structure sure um and all the things that you have to do so you know, that was basically the first question. It's just like, uh, I don't understand what's going on. And then he's basically like, so y'all the content on the website, you're in charge of it. I'm like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> so, so walk us through a day in the life of Cedric Phillips, then, if you don't mind. Like, it's, oh, it wow. seems like it's this very, you know, vague title, you know, with this big, huge mantle of responsibility. And, you, you know, you've, you've indicated that time is not available. So, like, walk us through a day. All right, I'm going to get out my phone right now, and I'm going to go to my Google. I'm going to go to my Google Calendar, mm -hmm. and uh, I think we'll just look at today if I can go to the beginning. All right, seven o'clock. Wake up. Seven thirty. Eat meal one. Meal one is uh, I eat five meals a day. That's breakfast number one. Yeah, no, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Eight o'clock. Begin my work day. Begin my work day. Uh, typically means answer any emails that came to me like at night or start editing articles. Uh, typically I edit in between 
seven to ten articles a day, but some of them are video articles. Um, but basically, uh, the schedule that I craft typically has between seven to ten articles a day. So I, I, uh, I work from eight until nine. Then I go to the gym at nine. I work out until about ten. Uh, my gym's only like ten minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. Then I drive home. I have my post-gym meal, which is a protein shake, and meal number two. 11 o'clock, resume work day. I do that until 1.55. Then I have meal number three, which is lunch. Mm-hmm. God, get off of here. I'm so bad at this. Okay, after that, um, I run errands for whatever needs to be done for the day. Um, that takes up an hour, two until three. And then I have meal number four at 4.30. And then I have scheduled in here inside information from five until eight. You'll notice that I haven't been able to do that as often because, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes work takes a while. Uh, sometimes there's, you know, multiple NBA basketball games on, you know, whatever. Uh, then there's meal, uh, there's meal number five at 8.30. That's my dinner. Um, then I do a website check at 9 o'clock Pacific. Which is twelve, which is midnight Eastern. Eastern That's yeah. when the website goes up to make sure there's no mistakes and everything is the way that it's supposed to be. Then at ten o'clock, I go and run at the gym until eleven. Then at eleven, I come back home, I shower, I wind down by reading a book or watching something, and I'm hopefully asleep by twelve. Wow, that is my day. It's a busy day. Uh, yeah. Compared to, I'll give you the the old version of the schedule. Wake up. Stream. <laughs> Maybe go to, eat. Go to bed. Yeah. Putting on pants, rather optional. Understood. Yeah, that was the old schedule. This is the new schedule. Uh, the new schedule is kind of sweet. Um, you can obviously tell that I'm trying to uh, lose some weight and actually get my life together in that facet of things, which has been, uh, which has been a lot of fun. So uh, that's, that's a good question, actually, because uh, yeah. it's it's obviously a journey that I've been on. And uh, those of you that have been listening to the show or following me know that you know, I've lost uh, six, 60 pounds myself in the last, you know, six months. So very nice. Yeah. So, I mean, like, where where are you at? How long have you been on this this kick? And uh, and and what's the result so far? I've been doing it for I've been attempting to lose weight for two and a half months. Um, so the backstory is when I was in high school, I wrestled. And so when you're a wrestler, you cut weight by any means necessary. Yep. Um, my senior year of high school, I came in 36 pounds overweight. I came in at like 250 when I needed to weigh 215. And so I had to, after like the first initial practices, I had to lose 30 pounds in 29 days, which I did. How's that? Uh, there was a lot of making myself vomit sure. and not eating and just really unhealthy stuff. If you've ever wrestled before or no wrestling friends. so. That was, you know, the way that I was like, yeah, I can just lose weight like that always. Yeah, that's not true. No. Yeah, so um, basically, like, when 2014 started, I was like, you know, you know, being fat kind of sucks. It's just really annoying. Even though food's really good, being mm-hmm. fat sucks. And so I decided it was time to not be fat anymore. And I'll actually tell you, Scotty Mack, what spurred this? It's the cartwheel video. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's the cartwheel video. The video that everyone thinks is hilarious, I hate more than anything in the world. Is that like the super shame video? I am enormous in that video. It's not even the fact that like I didn't land the cartwheel, because I, I didn't plan on landing the cartwheel, but you know, it was just like a cool moment. But like I saw it when we aired it during Orlando, 
And, like, it was really funny, and the guys who edited it did a fantastic job, and I just looked at myself, and I'm just like, this is embarrassing, how fat I am. All right. And that's actually what just broke me. And I was like, I, this has to change. So that's actually the reason that I decided to, like, actually start going to the gym and eating five meals a day, and, you know, I'm not eating, like, you know, I can't eat rice or pasta anymore, which is hell, because yeah. both of those things are amazing. So good, yeah. 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 No, uh, white, that's, no that's white flour. Yeah, yep. I know. Yeah, I hear you. It's awful that you can't do it. Yeah. But yeah, that's actually why the transition is took place and is taking place. Good for you. Well, I can tell you just from the sounds of things and the path that you're on, uh, like you're obviously going to continue to see results. Like you've you've clearly seen results. Like when I mean, you've probably lost like I don't know what the base weight starting was, but like I'd be shocked at this point if you haven't lost twenty five, thirty pounds. Yeah, it's like twenty five pounds. I'm I'm purposely not keeping track because I don't want to go number hunting. Sure. Like, I don't want to be disappointed if I didn't lose as much as I wanted to. But, like, the things that I the things that I notice are, like, I generally enjoy, like, the food that I'm eating now, which is all healthy. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I don't know if you realize this when you were losing weight, but, like, when it's, like, cheat meal time or you're just, like, kind of craving something that you shouldn't eat, um, like, when I go and have that thing, it's not as good anymore. It's so empty. Yeah. Like, yeah. I eat it. Like, I went to... The macaroni grill yesterday, which is, I don't know if you guys have those in Canada. No. Yeah, macaroni grill, we don't have them, but they're so good. Okay, yeah, like, they're really good, and they have really good bread. And when I used to go to the macaroni grill, I would smash, like, two or three loaves of the bread, and then get some pasta, and I'd be so happy. <laughs> and so I went there yesterday for lunch, and I was like, you know, this will be, like, the cheat meal for the week, which is, like, a pretty shitty cheat meal, honestly. But, yeah. all right, let's do it. I got it, and I was just like... It was not good. I ate half a loaf of bread and, like, not even all my pasta. And I was just like, what's happening? Normally, I would be so happy crushing this, and it's just not very good. Good And I think, like, just the change of, like, what you eat, actually. Like, when you start eating, like, good food for you, like fruits and vegetables and all that stuff, and then, like, you're actually cooking your own meals, and then you go have something that is cooked by someone else that is just, like, filled with salt. Oh God! Salt's the big one. Salt's the yeah. number one thing. Like, like I went on. I went on. Part of my my dietary restrictions were like I could only eat so many milligrams of sodium a day, and I think it was like a thousand or like fifteen hundred or something. Like some absurdly low number when you actually do the math on food, right? Yeah. And and so so it's just like everything was salt free and everything's prepared and no, nothing white and so on and so forth. And so when I started to eat like real food on occasion. I would just instantly notice, like my wife would cook a dinner and I'd be like, well, screw it. I'll just have some whatever you guys are having because it smells really good. And I like take a bite and I'm like, God, how much salt did you use in this? And she's like, none. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's like I'm eating a fucking salt lick. This is terrible. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's how it feels like when you – and the thing that happened to me too is like before I started doing this, I used to eat out for basically every meal. Mm. Um, so, you know, like now that like I'm cooking and just eating better and actually like eating fruit and small meals, like. You know, it's not that big of a deal for me to go, like, go eat something at, like, a restaurant. And at the same time, like, it's just, it doesn't taste as good anymore, which is, like, a good thing. I'm not craving some sort of meal outside, which is just great. Absolutely true. That's awesome, man. I'm so proud of you. It's, it's, It's amazing. Like, it's very clear that... You know, it seems to be sort of this undertone in the the magic community, which has kind of started. You know, you see it with you saw BBD do it last year, right? And and like Ali Antrazi, like that guy is unfucking real. Like every time we see him, we're just like, Jesus, is that another set of muscles? What the hell are you doing? Yeah, it's it's, it's absurd. Abs, abs. Look, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. completely absurd. 
Yeah, and it's and it's so awesome now. You see like CVM's into it, and Brad's into it, and you know yourself and and me, and and it's, I've spoken to a bunch of people as well that are all like inspired and doing it themselves too. So I think it's fucking outstanding. And I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, you haven't played as much Magic, you know, lately because of your job and stuff, but like. I notice a difference in how well I'm playing Magic because a healthy body fosters a healthy mind. Yeah, I mean, that's 100% true. Um, Like, you know, part of the reason, another part of the reason I did it is just because, like, the energy just felt kind of low every day. Like, I would get tired during the middle of the day. And it's just like, why am I tired? That doesn't make any sense. And it's just like, I don't have any energy because I don't work out and I'm not active. And I, I mean, I do sit in a desk in a desk chair a lot but like you know you can just get really fat by just doing that and then just eating and not being active at all true and like when your energy's down it's just like getting tired at like 4 p.m is just ridiculous <laughs> it's like what have you done all day nothing why are you tired i don't know but i want to go to sleep right now like yeah. I, I just did not like that <laughs> feeling at all sure no it's awesome well cedric i'm very glad to hear that that's fantastic i'm happier for you you've lost more weight I've been at it longer. That's true. But yeah. still, that's very impressive. I mean, like, I didn't have the shameful moment that you had, you know, but, like, mine was pretty rough. Like, I, it was, it's like one of those things I'm in sales, right, uh, for my day job. So yeah. whatever I don't, if I don't sell, I don't make. And so it's one of those situations where, you know, you come home every month and you're like, okay, honey, here's how we did, you know. And it was like, well, I'm sorry, it's it's rough out there and I'm doing my best. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, is one month I came home, I'm like, I couldn't say that. Cause I was just fucking lazy, you know? And it's like, do you want to lose your house? Cause you're fucking lazy. No, <laughs> get off your duff fat ass. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so it was, it was a good moment for me and, and it's been like nothing but amazing for our family. So it's, you know, I, you turn it around and I mean, I'm doing extremely well at work now and it's, it's all a matter of motivation, right? So when you have the energy and you have the dedication and you have that goal oriented mindset, then you can literally accomplish anything. So that's super amazing. It's not something I like to talk about a lot, um, just, like, the fact that I'm trying to lose weight. Like, it came up here, so I'm perfectly fine talking about it. Yeah. But, like, I think that for Magic players, like, for, like, Magic players, when they're trying to get better at Magic, they just, like, zone in on doing that one thing, and they'll just play, like, Moto for, you know, X amount of hours. They just want to improve their game in- incrementally, like, you know, over the course of time. But they'll play a ton of games to be able to do that. And, like, my thought on this has always just been, like, what if they just did that with, like, their weight? Yeah. It's like they try so hard to get, like, that little extra percentage to be better at Magic, which obviously matters. But it's like, you can do that, and, like, you could also do that with your body, and then you could be Ali Antrazi. Like, that's not crazy, the fact that he did that. It's like, it's hard work and dedication, but, we, I mean, Magic players who are trying to be good at Magic, or not even, like, care about being that good at Magic, you know, like, they put in a lot of hard work and dedication at being good at this game. Like, you can do that with other things, too. Yeah. The hilarious part about it, and I mean, like, I wouldn't have believed it if somebody had told me this leading into it, but what I can tell you is, is that if I had spent as much time playing Magic as I did working out, I probably would still have received the same boost in my game. Like, this, it sounds ludicrous. Sure, sure. Right? But just, like, like the energy level, the focus, the attention, like your brain just works better. Like it's, it's crazy. Like when your brain is all slogged down with fat and nonsense and big back sauce, then it's just not going to work properly. <laughs> Special <laughs> sauce is so good. So big back. Sauce. I mean, <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, that's, that's awesome. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that, uh, that that's working for you. Um, the other thing that's working for you fucking unreal is, uh, 
<laughs> your coverage on SCG is like, shut the door, fucking light the barn, man, because you guys are just setting it on fire. Like it's it's unreal. I I can tune into you and Patrick Sullivan, and it is hands down better entertainment than what's on television. And I've over seven hundred channels. Like no lie. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, you guys have done a fantastic job, and I'm really really pleased to see um, you know how well that's turned around. You guys have really taken that seriously, made that sort of the focus and dedication for the the calling card, as you were, of the SCG Live Circuit. And I think that it speaks volumes, and and it it's come leaps and bounds. It it actually bears the question. So. What was the catalyst for change? Because very recently, like obviously you had written a series of articles um, on how to improve coverage. And there was someone else that posted a bunch of them on Star City Games as well about how to improve coverage. And, you know, it kind of felt like a lot of it was falling on deaf ears and people weren't really paying too much attention. And then all of a sudden there's this big announcement to say, you know, and I know it started with like Joey Pasco, for example, was one of the guys that, you know, obviously good buddies of ours, you know, close to the show. And he said, you know what, guys, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I won't be doing coverage. You know, I didn't get my contract renewed. And everyone was kind of like, what the hell? What's going on? And then the big unveiling of the new SCG Live coverage team. So, like, what happened? Give us the story. So the big thing here basically is what SCG was doing coverage prior is they were just kind of rotating people in and out, in and out, in and out. There's no consistency between, the, between like, the pairings. Like, if you think of professional sports, uh, you can think of, like, football, for example, or just, like, the NBA playoffs if you're watching that. And I know, like, Canada, I don't know how big you guys are into hockey. I don't want to stereotype you that way. But, um, like, the people who do things, like the commentary, they are paired with someone who they oftentimes do it with. Sure. Yeah, so it's like a, it's a consistent pairing. Yeah. yeah. It's a consistent pairing every time. Cherry, know, Cherry just, and McLean. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're not just thrown in there with, like, people at random, and it's just like, all right, guys, figure it out. Ready, break. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> when they had like this big, large swath of commentators, Joey, Shaheen, myself, Patrick Sullivan, Chapin, um, Matthias, like there was a large group of commentators. And so then, you know, there's the issue with like trying to schedule everyone and like fit in, you know, the requirements for their dates. And, you know, can you work well with this guy? I don't really know because I've never done it with him before. You know, we'll have to try to get ready Friday evening once we both get to the airport. Once we'll get to the hotel, assuming there's no flight problems and stuff like that, like it, it's just, you know, you kind of set yourself up for failure in that aspect because you're not familiar with the person that you're working with. And, you know, some people can adjust on the fly appropriately, but that's not a skill that everyone has. Sure. Um, you know, I, I believe that, like, I'm good at adjusting on the fly with when I'm with in the booth, but I, but I actually credit that more to the fact that I used to work in very busy, high volume restaurants where you have to adjust on the fly very quickly. Mm hmm. But not everyone has done that, obviously. Yeah. Um, so part of the reason that we kind of called the roster a little bit is because you know, we wanted to make sure that we could have consistent pairings at all time. And also, um, it's funny to say we instead of they. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we had the best coverage possible. It's like you were part of the decision, Cedric. Uh, I, I know. I, I was. I was part of the decision. <laughs> yeah. um, we wanted to make sure that we had the best coverage possible uh, just at all times with the pairings and the consistency and just if people are going to watch magic, you know, I, whenever I do something, I want to be the best at it, no matter what. Um, and we wanted to make sure that if you guys are tuning into SCG live, we don't want it to be awesome one week and the mediocre the next. We want it to be awesome, awesome, awesome. Every single time you guys watch and have a consistent product 
that you guys can expect. Uh, you know, your expectations, we can, you know, meet and exceed them. Like, you know that if you tune in and watch me and Patrick, you know what you're going to get. Now, if you're a fan of that or not a fan of it, that's fine. But, like, it's not going to really rotate very much. Um, and so that's, that's, like, the main reason we made the decision. The other thing, too, is that if I'm at every show or a majority of shows, I can tell you what happened last weekend in Cincinnati, for example. Or yeah. I can tell you that in Orlando in the second week of season one, that Tyler Wilkerson almost went back to back. Um, in week one, Owen Turtonwald won the standard open and beat Andrew Shroud in the finals. Mono Black beat Green White. And then the Legacy Open, Kenan Haas won with an absurd deck playing the Jund, the Jund Lands deck that no one saw coming. Like, and I think it's <laughs> yeah. actually important to be able to like consistently build that narrative of just like, here's what happened last week and here's what happened the week prior um, and stuff like that. Whereas if it's like, you know, me and Patrick one week and then it's Matthias and Shaheen the next week, it's like, what did those guys watch, watch last week's show? Do they know what happened? Yeah. It's pretty easy for you to say no because, like, you know, when you're not doing coverage, you might just be doing other things. Hell, they're, maybe they're playing in a PTQ and they didn't, you know, get the chance to see the show. So it helps for consistency in the broadcast, too. Yeah. That narrative is obviously becoming very, very important as well as you guys start to really break down and, and, and analyze sort of the goal for the, the SG circuit as well is, is creating sort of those next superstars. I know that that was something that, uh, that you were trying really hard to do with, uh, the industry standard, you know, bringing that column to, uh, to SUG on the select side where, you know, you would have some of the winners or the, the, the prominent performers would write an article about their interesting deck or their experience or whatever. And, you know, it really brought to the forefront, some of the more, you know, obscure names in the business. Um, you guys are really doing a fantastic job with with that narrative by managing a leaderboard and making everybody care about you know what's going on. I mean, truthfully, as a result of this weekend, um, like living proof, I followed uh, Eric Rill and uh, Andrew Tenjima on Twitter uh, this weekend. As a result, nice. direct, direct result to what was going on because, you know, it's, it's very clear that they've consistently put up results. I mean, and I've known of both of them for quite some time, right? But, like, I finally decided, you know what, now's the, now's the time. They obviously have enough to say about the new format, and it's going to be interesting, and, and I followed them on Twitter. You know, so, so I, think, I think what you guys are doing is fantastic, and, and it's just, it's very evident. Yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly a lot of fun kind of figuring it out like what we're trying to accomplish because you know there's really no set mold for this sort of thing like you can you know take things away from other sports about what they do as far as leaderboards and things like that but you know we haven't really ever done anything like this before and magic hasn't really seen anything like this before so you know we're tr i mean we're we're trying to make the, you know the most informed decisions that we can as we do make them um you know for example the idea behind the industry standard leaving legacy was pretty simple you know a lot of the time what happens to me as a content coordinator is that Someone would be like, hey, I want to write a, an article for your website. And it's like, so do 300,000 other people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't say yes every time. Yeah. And so this actually gives it a way for people to be able to write and get their voice out there. And, you know, like there have been some people who have actually parlayed that into consistent columns for us. Harry Corvasi, um, Andrew Shrout, yeah. Ketter actually gets some uh, visibility to do more of that stuff because people like his stuff. Dude, um, that guy's hilarious. I love Ken. I had so him much. I had him on my stream shortly after John Monsters. Yeah. And and he was just absolutely the coolest guy ever. We had yeah, so much I love fun. him. Yeah. And you know, it's it's awesome because like for Kent, he's not someone who can really travel to GPs and stuff. 
Yeah, like his, his paintball stuff has him really busy right now, too. Yeah, and it's like it's very evident that he's really good at magic, but like he can't travel to GPs and do what you know, like the professional players do. So if, if there was, if there's no, like no open series circuit, or if there's no like leaderboard and stuff like that, he's just still like a relative unknown. Like he's lost in the finals of a couple of PTQs and stuff like that. Like he has some accomplishments that actually matter. Yeah. Uh, but like for the most part, like if you're if you're just losing in the finals of PTQs, no one knows who you are. Like and even if you win the PTQ, it's like well, you know, you, then you have to go to the Pro Tour and do well. And this actually gives just people another avenue to be noticed and be showcased and, um, you know, make a name for themselves, which is what a lot of people want to do when they, were, when they play competitive magic. I mean, God knows that's what I want to do when I started like a decade ago. Yeah. So this gives people another avenue for that. And it's, it's fun to see. Like you mentioned that you follow Rill and Tenjum on Twitter. And it's like, that's awesome for those guys. Cause like they want to be known as good players and they want to, you know, open up and increase their profile. And I think this is a pretty great way for them to do that, especially after last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you mentioned that you've got about 300 people a day asking if they can write articles for Star City Games. So what is it that it takes for you to say yes to somebody to write an article at Star City Games? Dude, I have no idea. Well, is how do you a, decide? Is that, a, is that a bad answer? <laughs> it, no, it is. It is. So how do you, yeah, I'll call you on it. Yes, yeah, it's terrible. It, it's a terrible answer, right? <laughs> so, so, like, is there a coin? Is there, like, a dartboard? Is there a jump to conclusions, Matt? Like, what, what are we talking here? I could use one of those maps. I know. Right. So, it's, it's really weird. Because, like, like, I'll receive some number of emails every week that are just like, hey, I want to write an article for you. Bye. Ugh. And it's just like, that's, that's not going to do it. And then there's sometimes where, like, I'll give you an example. Jason Moore, one of the guys who writes for us for Popper, he sent me an email that was so good that I was just like, man, I want to read something by you right now. Like, he sent me an email that was just, like, really well thought out and, and got my attention. And I was like, all right, sure. Like, send me an article. I'll take a look at it. He sent me an article, and it was fantastic. And, like, Popper isn't this thing that has, like, a huge audience. I, I was looking for another Popper writer because we already had one, and I wanted to have one Popper article a week, but our Popper writer was biweekly. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like I put out this call for it. He just, like, kind of got in contact with me, sent me, like, a really well-written and thought-out email. And then, then I was like, sure, I'll take an article. It sends me an article. It's a really good article. And I'm like, sure, let's see what happens. Um, but a lot of the time, it's like, I feel like people are kind of intimidated or don't really know what approach to take. And it's like, I'm not looking for like a specific email, but I'm, I'm kind of looking to like be wowed, I guess, sure. or impressed. Like, you know, think of like, for me, you guys know I'm really big in this sport. And it's just like, I, I, I couldn't imagine contacting like Grant Land or ESPN and being like, Hey, I want to write an article for you guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, how would that be received? They would be like, who, who the hell is this guy? Delete. Or whatever, you know? <laughs> but no, but if, but if like, you sent the article with it... I mean, there's potential for that. There's, poten there's definitely potential for that. Like, if you send the article with it, you know, maybe they'll open it up, maybe they won't. You don't know what, like, their work schedule looks like, and, mm -hmm. you know, you don't know what mood they're in. Like, how many of these emails have they gotten today? You know? Like, it's, it's honestly, it feels like to me it's really case by case, and it's not like, it's not like I'm looking at, like, the things I'm This is I'm really getting. telling. This is really telling, by the way, I know. It's not like I'm looking at the emails <laughs> that I'm getting, and it's not like I'm just like, F you, there's no way you're ever writing for me. But it's just, it's just really, it's really honestly, like, case by case and situational and, like, what happens. Like, you know, you try to give someone, like, I, I respond to everyone who inquires about writing me an article. Because there's some times where I can actually take on an article. There's times where I can't. There's times where it's just like, you know, you should potentially try to write for another website and then get back to me, which has actually worked out for some people. 
like it's honestly just a case by case situation. I can tell you that like if you get an email that says like, "Hey, what does it take to write an article for you guys?" Like that's going to fall on deaf ears. Yeah. So but, do you, yeah, so, do you, you need you another cube? Put yourself in that position. That's all. Do you need another cube author? Um, you know what sucks is cube articles don't hit well. Mm. They really don't. Like I have when did them. You become the man. What's that? When did you become the man? What do you mean? When Evan Irwin uh, gave him that job. Yeah, he's like, you know, it's like, oh, they don't get the hits, you know. I feel kind of like the man. They're not very good. I do kind of feel like the man. It's unfortunate. I feel like I've changed. (laughs) But I have to look at things a different way now. I I know, I know. It's weird. Like, cube articles, like, I generally like them because I love cubing, like, more than anything. And then, like, you read a cube article, and it's like, okay, like, I think this is pretty good. And then it's like, okay, what kind of interest is this is this generating to the people who come to the website? And it's just, like, very little. Like, the cube articles that are, like, interesting to people from what I've noticed are, like, when a new set comes out, like, Journey, and you're like, here are the cards I think that go into the cube for reasons A, B, C, X, Y, Z. Yeah. But if it's just, like, you know, hey, here's a random cube article, people are just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> it's just kind of there. So when you run into a situation like that, are you trying to think, like, how can I make Cube more popular? How can I make it more readable? Like, are, are you trying to solve that problem? Or are you just more looking at it like, uh, instead of giving them a spot, I'm going to give a spot to someone else? I definitely try to solve the problem first before moving on. Like, so, you know, there was a, there, I, I put out a tweet when we were having issues with the Cube articles of just, like, what would you guys want to see as far as a Cube article is related? Uh, got some responses. Tried those things. And those didn't really work out very well either. And it was just, it just kind of, from what I have noticed for doing this job for a year, people care about a couple of things. People care about standard, like, crazy. Yeah. I mean, like, that has nothing to do with you guys, though, and what you've yeah. fucking done to us. So yeah, it's just fine. like, people just care about standard. Uh, people, like, they say they care about limited, but but they don't read it. And so, like, right now, you know, we're in a limited PTQ season, so it's like, I don't feel obligated to write limited articles, but I think it's helpful for some people. So I think, like, having limited articles right now is a good idea. But people just love Standard. People, like, they they really, really like Commander. Like, okay. there's, a, there's a separate audience for that that is very, very important. Like, people just love Commander. Like, our, I don't know if you guys have ever watched our Commander versus videos, but yeah. those people just love them. Well, and I they're, mean, like, a lot on. of fun. That has nothing to do with McDarby, though. That guy is, like, quite possibly, like, at least in top five most entertaining people you have on staff. Not close. McDarby's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. McDarby is awesome. I'm very... Him and Danny together are just, like... It's like magic. Yeah. Well, they just play off each other, right? So... Yeah. 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 It's, it's very much like the magic that uh, you produce in the booth, right? I, I mean, it's just, it's just, like, it's just about pairings. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? No, I know. It, it, that's just what it is. Like, um... One of the things that I'm, I feel like I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but like one of the things that ended up happening, like when I kind of took over the job is I wanted the people in the versus videos to always be with each other as opposed to rotating a bunch kind of yeah. for the same reason with, uh, with coverage. So it's like Brad and Todd are really good friends. So obviously they're going to work well together. BBD and CVM bounce off each other and, and play well together like crazy. And then, you know, McDarby kept coming to me and was just like, Hey, I think we should do commander versus videos. And I'm like, that's like a pretty cool idea. I, I'd like to, you know, try that out. And I'm just like, who do you want to do it with? And he's like, Danny West. And, like, I know Danny because he does booth work at the shows. Yeah. But no one knows who Danny is. Because he doesn't play Magic. He doesn't really, he doesn't have accomplishments, like nothing. 
And I'm just like, you want to do it with Danny? He's like, trust me, it'll be really good with Danny. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, man, like, I trust you. Like, I think Danny's awesome. Um, and he's just like, yeah, just give it a shot. He's like, and he didn't even, like, think twice. He's just like, boom, Danny West, that's the guy. And then I was like, all right, let's go for it and see what happens. And then they did one, and everyone's like, holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah. And they've been doing it together ever since, and, and everyone just loves it. So. Nice. Uh, so the other thing that makes those videos very accessible is the fact that, and, and it's, a, it's an interesting distinction, and it's one that I, I hope you'd comment on. Um, you keep the select side videos on YouTube, yeah. and you keep the premium videos on, was it Livewire? Uh, Bit Gravity. Oh, sure, Bit Gravity. Yeah. Um, which sometimes works well and sometimes doesn't. Like, um, is there a particular reason for the split? Um, not really. I'm not sure if it's one I can discuss. Okay. I hate, I hate to be that guy. Sure. I mean, like, I can totally, I, I can totally see it as if it's on YouTube, it's in public domain, and it's not behind the paywall. Like, and if that's the issue, then, I mean, you can say that. That's, that's not... like, pretty much the main reason. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like, you know, there's, there's the ones that we give away for free, and then there's ones that we don't. Okay. It's pretty much the easiest way to say it without, like, breaking it down and then me losing my job after this podcast. Sure, sure. I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> my tilt thing is that I like to watch those videos on my iPad and, like, uh-huh. the Star City Games app, and okay. all of the YouTube-based ones work awesome, but all of the Bit Gravity ones, like, it's about a 30% fail rate on the app to me. Yeah. And that's between my phone, between my iPad. Like, I, I don't know if I'm in the minority, but... It just, it's like, you can't, uh, it gives me some sort of, like, you can't access this error, that that can't be accomplished error. Yeah. And if I go through and I shut the whole thing off and turn it back on, shut it off, turn it back on, sometimes it works. Yeah. But then sometimes I get no audio, and, like, it just, it's, like, super awkward that, like, the select stuff works awesome. The, so, uh, the, the, the app, yeah, the app has, the app has been a, a source of, of concern, I think, like, it's been up and down in terms of um, viability, and there's been a pile of glitches. That said, I'm a heavy Android user, so, like, that unto itself sort of speaks to itself. I was part of the beta pilot and all that jazz, too. Um, sure. You know, see, I support the brand. I know it's up. You know? I appreciate it. I support the content. Oh, yeah, no, I love the app. Like, I will use yeah. it all the no, time. And it's, just, and it's made a lot, of, a lot of good progressions. Like, it everything like deck lists everything works now i haven't really gone deep on the video content because most of the time i'm watching it on my tablet anyway but yeah like it's it's always been something that that has needed a lot of work and you're getting there it's getting my my favorite is at the local game store seeing two guys standing in front of a showcase that's like heavily stocked and they're trying to figure out prices for trades and they have their star city games open app or their star city games app open and they're they're looking up trade values there when like the cards are literally right in front of them. <laughs> so that, that, that's one I of the. I can only the imagine what trading is like now. Oh. People who are just who are just like you're not gonna rip me off. Bust out my phone, and that's <laughs> yeah. just how it goes every single time. Yep. Yeah, I only get ripped off when I go to the states. Nice. But that's fair because the <laughs> price that I would pay for the data to check the prices on the card. <laughs> Like the, the amount that they're ripping me off by is like nowhere near what telecom's getting me at. So yeah, it's, it's like really weird now that we are in this like technology era. Like you know, when I was eighteen and trading, you know, the goal was to just rip the person off and like you know overvalue your cards and undervalue theirs a bunch. Like that's just what trading is. 
you know, like, yeah. especially before people had iPhones and, and, you know, there were apps to check card prices. It's just like, yeah, your Lockdown Hierarch is $4, and my Ravenous Bailoff is $13. It's like, <laughs> but Lockdown Hierarch is better than Ravenous Bailoff. You want to do the deal or not? And it's like, <laughs> that's just what you did. But and now it's just like, well, I can just bust out my phone and check prices, and you can't, you know, you can't scum me, man. And I think, I mean, that's probably just better. Overall, well, it was like I, that I, I wild west that existed between Scry Magazine and like you know Inquest. Phones. Inquest, Inquest. Yeah, yeah, I had that shit. Inquest and Scry. It's like you'd have the guy and he'd have the latest copy of Scry. Sure, it's two and a half weeks late, and you know a couple big events have gone on, but nobody really knows because nobody's checking the dojo. And you know, like they bust it out, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's absolutely the price for this. You know, like oh, mine's in good condition, so I get the high, and yours is in okay condition, so you get the low. And you know, just like, so scummy back then. It was awesome. Yep. It's, I mean, it's just completely absurd. I can't imagine what like the trade tables are like now. I I, I have no idea. Well, it, you, we we would ask Jonathan Medina, except uh, that he's not really you know with us anymore. I know. And well, it's and it's it's a funny, interesting point. Um, so we brought up earlier. You know, there there was a couple reasons why you know we we thought you hated us. Okay. And uh, and so a couple of them. So one is, you know, I think we had some professional miscommunications with uh, some early you know stream sponsorship stuff, and that's fine, and that's all just business and under the bridge. But I think what like put the nail in the coffin for us was. We, you know, notoriously put out that Medina episode. And Facebook was all a Twitter with uh, all of the uh, amazing and extremist points of view uh, and opinions about that episode. From the magic community? Are you serious? I mean, like, <laughs> not the least of which may have been from, you know, one Chris Mascioli, who, I don't know, like, that no. guy, no, that guy never has anything bad to say about anybody, and especially not us. Um, but, you know, he he had a few opinions, and you kind of, like, chimed in and, and spoke something to the effect of, this is the most ludicrous piece of anything I've ever heard in my entire life. And, you know, you being a prominent public figure, I mean, you know, some people we listen to, others we don't. You, we do, a little. And, you know, we read that and we thought, oh, geez, we must really be in shit with Cedric. We should probably just lay low. He must hate us. Hmm. Interesting. So, that's that's sort of like, like I, I mean, you very clearly have had You've listened to a bunch of our episodes. You you've self-professed been a, a you know a fan of our show. Um, what happened? I don't really know. Um, I kind of like listened to that episode and kind of like shock and all. I think this was like a while ago, so I oh, can't yeah. really Almost I can't really redefine my emotions at this point and what was going on at that point in my life. Um, I don't really know what to say. I guess like it came off kind of weird. But at the same time, like, it, it's really easy for, like, you to listen to that episode and be like, wow, Matina is such a scumbag. It's <laughs> unbelievable how many excuses he's making about this. Sure. Because, like, it kind of felt like he was making excuses, but at the same time, it's just like, look, you don't really know what a person's going through. And, like, you know, it's also, you know, this thing where it's like he might not even be sure how he wants to articulate himself on the podcast and all these different things. So, like, how it's coming off may not be what, like, the real story and all these sure. things and, like, you know, it's pretty easy for me to, to, in that situation, probably to think like, wow, what a piece of garbage this guy is. Yep. He's just making a bunch of excuses, but it's like, 
again, I don't know the I don't know the real story. No one knows. Like I, you guys obviously have to pot about it, but it's just like you don't know what that person's going through. You don't know the situation, so it's like pretty unfair to judge someone about it. I don't really even really know what I wrote on Massioli's wall at this point. Um, and I mean, I always get in, I always get into it with that guy anyway. So (laughs) if I was on his side, I I don't know what happened (laughs) (laughs) because I'm always under attack from him about like anything that I do wrong. And then we just like go at it. Even though, hey, yeah. Cedric, just just to clarify, it's anything that's perceived wrong. You're not necessarily guilty of a lot of the things you're accused of. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's fair. That out that's fair. That's completely fair. Um, I, I know that there was a time where Masil and I agreed on something, like, very heavily, and I was definitely on his side, and I thought everyone was being ridiculous about it, and I think it was, like, me and him versus, and then people were just like, what the hell's going on here? And then he friended me on Facebook, and I'm like, well, I'm not your friend. I'm just agreeing with this one time. That's all. It's very, it's very strange. It's very okay. strange. And it's like, I don't even think I hate Chris. I think that I, I just like, he's frustrating because it seems like he just tries to start stuff just to start stuff. Well, and stay relevant. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think so. Uh, I mean, like, we, we should probably thank him. Like, he helped kind of drive the hits on the episode up to, like, astronomical levels. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, Chris. But, uh... Yeah, yeah at no point was there any, like, hatred towards you guys. I, I, I don't, I'm... I was, like, a little surprised that you guys thought it came off that way. I was, like, genuinely surprised, actually, uh, that you guys were just like, we don't think you like us. I'm actually kind of <laughs> jealous what you guys get to do. <laughs> Are you kidding? No, because, like, okay, here's the thing. You you made the comment about, like, me, I, I'm kind of the man now. I work for the man. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of true. Um, You know, there are things that I can say and cannot say as a member of Star City Games. And, you know, at this point now in my life, I am representing a company, as I found out very clearly with the T-shirt debacle, <laughs> um, <laughs> where I couldn't wrap my head around why people would get mad about that. And then people were just like, well, I'm not fucking going to Star City Games now if this is the content coordinator. And I'm like, are you really? Are we being serious? Like, it's it's different to me that I am representing a company, and obviously a very big one, Yeah. because like, I just want to be me. Like, I'm an outspoken guy, and, you know, before I got the job on Twitter, like, the reason that I was popular streaming and popular on Twitter and people are rooting for me in Magic is because I just say shit. I just say what's on my mind and how I feel and if you don't like it, that's too bad. And if you do, that's cool too, you know? But now it's like, I understand where, like, you know, my bosses are coming from where it's like, hey, you can't just say shit anymore. You got to <laughs> think about what you're doing. And so for you guys, you know what you guys get to do? You get to say shit. <laughs> <laughs> and so, true. like, when I come on here, it's like, you know, for the most part, I just get to say shit. Like the word shit. I can't say that in the booth. And like that's enjoyable for me. Like, cause I like talking about, you know, like hot button topics in magic, like magic online being hot garbage. And we can get to that. That's fine. Yeah, and like, you know, <laughs> people getting banned and stuff like that. And it's like, I understand why a time star city would be like, Hey, can you not, can you not do like the, like the crack gate thing? Yeah. Like, it's just like, look, I, I, <laughs> 2012 Cedric would have had a fun time with that. <laughs> yeah. 2014, you know, face of Star City Games Live, online content coordinator for Star City Games, um, is able to 
you know, support themselves and have nice things and would like to be able to continue to do that, Cedric, that Cedric can't say that Crackgate is comical and really funny and make a bunch of jokes about it. Sure. And, you know, that kind of sucks, but at the same time, like, it's part of the territory, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm so, happy with where we're at just because, like, I own the site, but we're sponsored by Sal, but we're just, like, a separate brand, and he just supports us 100% and doesn't really give a shit what we say. <laughs> so that's pretty Sal sweet. Rocks. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like definitely envious, and it's not like, you know, it's not like, you know, I'm upset with, like, you know, the people, you know, Pete Hoffling is obviously the owner of Star City Games, it's like, I'm not upset with him, like, I understand it from a bigger picture, like, when your company is really big, and, you know, I am a pretty prominent face for that company, I hold two very relevant positions, Yeah, it's like, I can't, you know, just do psychotic, crazy things and say ridiculous stuff, like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm a big, I'm a big sports guy, as a lot of people know, like, basketball, is an industry I would love to work in. And so, you know, when you're working, you know, if you look at it, like, for professional sports, it's like, you know, LeBron James can't just be like, you know what, fuck that guy. You know, you can't do that. <laughs> Even if he wants to be like, you know, I hate this person in the media, I hope he falls off a bridge. Like, he can't do that. And so I understand where they're coming from, because, like, LeBron James, not only does he represent the Miami Heat, he, at this point in his life, represents, like, the NBA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, like, Nike, and all these different things <laughs> to the point where it's like LeBron James can't be like, you know what, fuck you. Like, he can't do that. And so, like, I understand where Pete's coming from where it's like, hey, could you not do this thing that I know you really want to do? And it's like, yeah, I, okay, I can, I cannot do that. I'll deactivate my Twitter for a day or something. Do you get, like, a daily email of, like, those things? <laughs> There's so much that's going on in between, this. Game. Between 8 and 9 a.m.? <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I kind of, like, I, I have you know, pretty good judgment about, like, what, what I'm doing is right and what I'm doing is wrong, or at least I like to think I do. Um, so, you know, like, the, the crackhead situation, for example, which has obviously been talked to about uh, to death by now. It's just, like, I could very easily comment on that, and then it would result in some sort of Twitter war and Twitter flame fest, and eventually someone will get offended by, say, by what I say because it's impossible for them not to. Because yeah. I'm like outspoken and I am prone to speaking in hyperbole and things like that. So as a result, <laughs> I'm going to offend someone. No. Yeah. And so it's like if I offend someone, then that person is will tweet at me and be like, I'm not going to Star City Games anymore. And then someone else will be like, Well, you know what? If they're not gonna do it, I'm not either. And and then, you know, it's like my boss my boss will be like, Come on, please stop tweeting. <laughs> Put the phone <laughs> down. For fuck's <laughs> sakes. It's like, even if they agree with me, it's like, just stop, please. And it's like, you know what, you're right. Even though I really want to tweet this person and tell them how stupid they are, I'm going to go on the high road. All right, fine. So it's just, it's just different. It's just a different situation I'm in. I would still love to be the outspoken maniac that I was when I was in 2012 and streaming, and I don't give a shit what anyone thinks, but that's just not realistic. So you, you have a couple, you have a platform that you, you've created for yourself to, you know, have that venting on non-magic related topics and that is a uh, an excellent podcast which is on sound soundcloud uh, soundcloud called uh said talks which i think you've got eight episodes in now uh yeah it's like eight or nine now so uh, we obviously got introduced to it the magic community got introduced to it if they aren't following you directly through you know jerry's return article where you had the exclusive interview on that um which we talked about you know at some length last week um, up to and including the Silent Hill story, <laughs> by the way. 
I hate you, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so so you've got that on on SoundCloud. Um, you just kind of needed an outlet, or? Uh, so okay, here's the thing. Uh, I'm kind of stupid. So okay. I've been wanting to podcast for a long time now, mm-hmm. but I am not like technologically savvy. So basically, I I like I had put out some feelers on Twitter. Here's what I do when I don't know how to do something. I go, hey, Twitter, how do I do this thing? And then a lot of the time, Twitter would be like, you're dumb. Here's how you do it. <laughs> I Thanks, Twitter. You're right. I am stupid. And then I do it. So this go around, um, I, it's someone who was on Mana Deprived. His name is Chris Lansdale. Yep, we know. Yeah, yeah. Chris, I put out a feeler, and Chris was like, hey, podcasting's really easy. You just get this, and you get that, and then voila. And so, you know, I got, like, Skype, which I, I already had, and I got, like, Pamela Business or something, and then Chris told me how to do it, and then, like, Pamela records it, and then I give it to Chris, and Chris edits it, and bang, it's done. Oh, and nice. So, yeah, so, like, it's actually, like, you know, pretty easy, but for me, like, I get frustrated, so, like, when someone's like, oh, yeah, just Google it and figure it out, oh, and then God, I look at yeah. the Google instructions, and I'm like, fuck, I'm not... <laughs> Screw it, I'm playing Moto. I just don't want to do it anymore. Because I can't figure it out after, like, you know, three minutes. And so I'm just, like, impatient and don't care. But if someone gives me the steps to do it, like, not only will I be able to do it, but I'll remember how to do it for the rest of my life. Because that's what Chris did. So, like, right now, for example, you mentioned that it's on SoundCloud and it's not on iTunes or the podcast app. That's because I don't know how to do RSS feeds. And so I put out the Twitter feeler. And literally every time you put out the Twitter feeler, you're like good to go for an answer. Someone can help. <laughs> yep. I have over 10,000 Twitter followers. I put yeah. out the RSS feed question. Crickets. Did you hear Nobody. that? Did you hear that? That was the sound of Cedric putting his big boy dick on the table. That was <laughs> yeah. that. I put out the tw- I put out the question on Twitter and I got no response. I'm just like, holy God, I'm never going to figure this out. I hope people use SoundCloud. Didn't I reply to you and say tagging KYT for value or something like that because yep. KYT does that shit? So, like, no responses? Cedric, I'm right, fucking so, appalled. No, I replied, but I answered a different... I don't think I answered the, the real question, which oh. was... I thought he was asking how to get your... I thought he already had a feed and how to get it to iTunes, oh. but not how to find the feed itself. So I didn't know he was asking for that. I did use, I did use your directions, KYT. I went to I opened up iTunes and went through my store and all that stuff, and then I tried to place the link directly from SoundCloud in there, and they said you need an RSS feed, and then I got angry and I probably like did something else. Okay, I'll figure it out after the show for you. <laughs> wow, you're the best. I just don't I don't understand how this isn't an easy like. Okay, so it's probably easier than I think, but I don't understand why like I can't just Google how to do an RSS feed, and then there's like you know these magical directions that tell me how to do it, and then it's done. That's all. Or maybe maybe there are, and I'm just stupid. <laughs> Jay, Jay does that a lot with Twitter. <laughs> Can you yeah. help copy and paste me the shit? And I'm like, but it's true. It's true. If you ask your friends, if you ask your friends, or you ask your so-called friends, they're just like, "Fuck you, bitch. Google it." <laughs> you're like, "Yeah, fucking, you're a great person. Kill yourself." And then, uh, but if you just say like, "Hey guys on Twitter, uh, how do you fucking reset your iPhone?" <laughs> Instantly, a million people will tell you. Yeah, it was like, that's really easy. Here you go. Here's easy step-by-step directions. Like, ah, thanks, Twitter. You're the greatest. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, my friends, you guys are of no help in your douchebags. Yep. But this random guy on Twitter who doesn't even really know me but listens to my podcast, he made me a YouTube video on how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> he made me and a YouTube video. He sent me a fucking canary egg. 
because he says they're delicious. Yeah. Boom. Just the nicest people Boom. on Twitter. Suck it, friends. You're douches. <laughs> so you can speaking say that, that, Jake. None of your friends of that, listen to the show. Speaking none of, of that, my yeah. Well, actually, oh, yeah, no, none, of, none of my friends listen to it, and if you bring it up, they're all just like, you're a fucking retard. Be quiet. <laughs> and that's not my language. That's their language, so don't be offended by that either. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, fucking, like, look at the heavy meta SVU. It's like a, it's a fan jihadist, like, terror cell that is, that is brought on by a fan club of a fucking, like, of a podcast that was created because they were fans of ours. It's like a sub fan club of us, and they hate us. <laughs> what the fuck is that shit? <laughs> This is like Jay's like <laughs> monthly dick measuring contest with heavy metal. Just like, hey, you gotta get it out there. It's important. Yeah, just... It's really important, actually. And he's not wrong. You know what the best part though is <laughs> you will get death threats on Twitter for that. Yeah, just like that little kid, comment. Like, they will like be like, like insulting like Lady Gaga. You know what Jay, I mean? that's, Jay, that's how you know you made it. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's true. If you're getting death threats, you have done it, my friend. Well, so don't be upset. In, right. Cherish it. Cherish it. Cherish it till you die. That's until <laughs> you get killed. Yeah. They kill you. See, and it's so Cherish special it. because it's like by the people who are already his followers. It's not like someone like follows him so that they can send him hate mail. It's like they're already following him, and they're like, "Fuck you!" I, yeah. Look, here's the thing: there are haters out there, and that's not a bad thing. No, they're not haters. Good... They're lovers. Are they? Yeah. They don't sound like It's fucking crazy. No, haters are great. Haters are what keep people motivated. So, yeah, I wouldn't be... That, that means that, like, they hate you so much, but they still, like, listen to the show and stuff. Yeah, and, and they listen so that they could find more things to hate you for. Yeah, think about that for a minute. Wrap your head around that. They listen so they can find something to hate you about and then log on Twitter and they've only got 160 characters to hate you with and then they do it. Because they have nothing better to do. That's I feel awesome. like this is a very wide brush we can paint with right now. That's awesome. <laughs> so, I'm actually jealous. So about, about things that people hate. Okay. Can we talk about Motogate? Can, can we do that? Uh, everyone's complaining for the wrong reason. Motogate <laughs> looks like shit. <laughs> Moto is a terrible program. If they were to fix it, it would no longer be a terrible program and it would lose its identity. We all love magic, so we <laughs> suffer through Moto to play magic. And that's to show our love to the game. Not you know me. Fuck that shit. <laughs> I sold all my shit to Luke Wilkinson for a fucking Judge Foil Mana Crypt. And See, you know what? It's fucking great because it's the best card in my cube and everybody either loves it or hates it. Sort of like just, Moto. Sort of like Moto. I it's like, 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 oh. like complaining. It's like, oh god, I have to play the beta. It's so unplayable. It's like, so is the client you're playing right now. It's completely unplayable. So, ugh. So okay. So I am part of the. So Jeremy has to play exclusively on the beta. That for some yeah. reason his computer won't actually run V3. Yeah. Okay. okay. So he is. He's been immersed in beta for some time. About two years now. So it's not really a big deal for him. Okay. So I stream. 
And I initially was streaming with uh, V4. And then I moved to V3 just because it was easier. Um, and everybody pitched and moaned oh, about yeah. it. I'm not watching this if it's the beta. Fucking so ugly. Anyways, so you, you do what you need to for the people. You understand? And I, uh, I so I, I have the luxury of actually having a fairly high-powered computer tower. Okay. And everybody that I've that I'm reading about complaining about the Moto Beta and streaming in particular is that my computer that's two years old can't handle a high intensity application that uh, makes that that allows me to broadcast to the internet along with this application and internet streaming. My life is over. Don't you just love how reasonable people are? Yeah, <laughs> isn't it awesome? <laughs> I run my stream and modal like the, the the beta off of a laptop. Yeah. So so Cedric, you made a comment to me yesterday about not being able to stream, and I'm unsure if that was just because oh, because downtime was extended, right? Uh, downtime was extended. Also, I refused to stream the beta. So <laughs> is there any particular item you'd like to chime in on here? Who me? Who you? You want me to talk about I, things I dislike about Wizards of the Coast? Nope. Well, I have nothing to say. I, I think that they are doing a perfect job, and that's the next question. Oh. All right, so here's the... Okay, so... <laughs> oh, and thank you for coming back for week two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Um, as far as the beta is concerned, it's kind of embarrassing. And by kind of, I mean very. Mm -hmm. Okay, but, we'll stand here with you, United. But, um, <laughs> look, I just, I just don't understand. Like, I get it, but I don't get it. Like, I know that they are, I, you know, working on it, but they've been working on it for a while, Two and years. it makes you kind of question, you know, what have they been doing this entire time? If this looks this way and it's still so bad and has so many flaws, um, you know, like what, what have you guys been doing for the past, you know, year and X months and. You know, have you been taking people's recommendations and then trying things? And, you know, why is it this huge memory sink? And, you know, the bigger question for me here, ignoring all the problems that are wrong with the beta, because, you know, fine, the beta is bad. All right, fine. I don't understand how it's possible for a game that is this popular and, you know, they oftentimes announce like how well they are doing in so many different areas. And, you know, this is the best-selling set of all time. And we have this many players. And holy God, magic is on the up swing plus amount percentage and all of this stuff. And then They do that constantly, not, constantly. Yeah. Not, not only, they do all of this stuff to show ex how well magic is doing, I guess, to get us excited or to be happy on all of these things. And then it's just like the complete incompetence of magic online. That's number one. Number two is the complete incompetence of Magic Online and then something like Hearthstone existing. Yeah. And it's just like, I have never played a game of Hearthstone and I don't plan on it because I'm kind of like a one-game person and also I have addiction problems, which is not to say that I'm a drug addict. Uh, it, which, <laughs> so don't, don't even go there. What it, what, it means is basically, what it means basically is when I find something that I like, I have to do it a lot. So, for example, in high school, uh, Magic and Warcraft 3, that was it. That's actually all I did in high school. And wrestling. Uh, yeah, I mean, wrestling, but I didn't take it that seriously. Like, when wrestling practice was over, you know, I would go home and I would just play Warcraft 3 all night and not do homework. 
Sure. Like, that's it. So, and, like, in, in college, it was Dota my senior year. So when I find something I like, it's just I'm stone-cold hooked and I won't do anything else. And that's why I don't start playing. Like, I never played a single game of, of World of Warcraft because I would have failed out of college so fast. <laughs> so, you know, for it, it's mind-blowing to me that, like, Hearthstone can exist and it's just like, wow, they just got it right. And it's like, I understand that Blizzard is a game design company, and so the likelihood of them just getting it right is very high. And I understand that, like, you know, for Magic Online, the people who are designing it, you know, maybe it's a lower class of developer and stuff like that. But it's just like, have a little bit of pride. Do you honestly think if you're like, a, <laughs> if you're designing Magic Online, you're working on this and you're like, yeah, this, yeah, this looks good. This looks good. The thing, is, the thing is, too, is that, like, these people are the nerdiest people on the planet, right? They enjoy programming. That's their job. They've chosen it for their life. They went to school, they paid money so that they can, you know, be part of it. And that's not a negative term, being a nerd, right? Will Wheaton taking it back. Um, I'm just saying, like, they're, they're people that obviously know about these nerdy endeavors and, like, video games and technology and things like that. And these are the people that are, you know, complaining about Apple phones on blogs before, you know, blogs was a term that people used, and you know. And, and they are, like, forcing us to play on Excel, basically. Like, I've made nicer-looking fucking videos on Excel for, like, my grade 9 computer class than, I, than Moto. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, I make, it doesn't make any sense to me. Just because you like magic and you're kind of a geek and stuff like that means that you're good at programming and no, stuff. No, the guys like that. that are programmers for Moto. Yeah, but, like... like are, I'm are sure they, that those guys are programmers. They they're not just random at, like, magic people. They're good programmers, or did they go to work at Wizards because they loved magic? It doesn't matter. They're programmers. You can't be a programmer without a degree. You no, can't but... be a programmer without liking programming. Yeah, okay, but there are good and there are bad. Yeah. Right? Okay. So, so they're better. They're better than they should be. Better than somebody who has no degree, and yet they seem like they are not. So my understanding is is that the um, personnel in that area receive far less remuneration than others that would be doing the same job for other companies. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and that a lot of the people that take that job take it because they they love magic and they just want to work on magic and they think that it's an amazing opportunity. So, yeah, you get people that love magic that are not pri programmers first. They're magic players first and programmers second. So you also have to think about where Wizards is located. It's located in Renton, Washington, which is about 20 minutes from Seattle. Seattle is one of the most technology-forward cities in the country. If you want to be a programmer, this is a great place to move, and there are plenty of opportunities for you out here. And additionally, the programmers that do move here, they can get paid a shit ton of money between Amazon, Microsoft, Boeing, um, just startup companies that are looking for programmers. I mean, that's what this city is. This is a nerd city that wants people who are computer savvy, can program, can write code, all of that stuff. When Wizards is offering you significantly less, for whatever reasons they have to do that, I'm not going to pretend that I understand why they offer as much as they do, but, you know, they have budgets just like every other company. Then, you know, programmer or company B that wants you to program for them, that's offering you 80K in benefits versus, let's say, Wizards, who's offering you 50K and a box of Magic cards every month. You know, like, it seems pretty clear cut and dry. Like, okay, I'm going to go with the other company who's paying me 30K more and gives me benefits. Like, I understand why they probably don't have good people. Like, 
the top tier people working on this program. Like I understand that. Um, you know, it just kind of begs the question of just how important it is, is it to them to make sure that magic online is a great product. And it doesn't seem like it's priority number one to me. But it's a good enough product. So that that's that's where they're at, right? Like you have to be honest. You have to be you have to be respectful to the shareholders. So if sure. you don't need to spend any more money and you can still bring in the same amount of money, then why would you do it? You know, it's 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 kind of ridiculous to actually utter these words, but if it isn't broken, why fix it? Why well, I, I mean, I 100% agree with you and the 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 like the piggyback on that is just the community isn't going to stop playing moto. That's no. the thing. Like as much as we bitch and complain about Magic Online being just a dumpster fire, and it is. And you can't there is no argument otherwise to say that Magic Online is anything but a dumpster fire. Fine. Then don't play it. Then go support your LGS. Go do that. If you hate Magic Online that much, then go support your LGS. And it's like, well then I have to go get up. And I and can't do pros, it for my own pros home. Pros aren't yeah, gonna do that either. Drinking in a bar and drinking at home. Yeah, it's just like I, I mean, you're right. I could go to my LGS or I could, you know, rally up my friends. But it's like, you know, that that takes some work and it, it's not as convenient to be able to just sit at my computer and, you know, surf the Internet, and listen to music and then, you know, fire up some magic. The only way that this presumably changes, in my opinion, is if people stop playing it. Yeah. And we all know that's not going to happen. No, never. <laughs> as much as everybody wants to say that they won't. Eventually, they just will, right? Like, Diablo 3 was the best example of this action producing results. There were people that were playing Diablo 3 forever when it first came out. I was one of them, and then Auction House was this thing, and it just priced everybody out, and it created this artificially inflated ecosystem um, uh, economy, which nobody could actually support except for the absurd grinders, and it became not fun because it was too hard because the gear was too good. And so uh, people just stopped playing it. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people stopped playing it. And so then they were like, okay, well, we're going to fix it. And they said, we're going to take away Auction House, and we're going to add all these patches, and we're going to come out with this expansion, and it's going to fix A, B, and C issue that you guys have identified as the top issues. And guess what? It did. It's amazing. That's another Blizzard game, I think. Mm. It's another Blizzard game, but... But it's funny because, like, the amount of shit that Blizzard received over Diablo 3 when it first came out was staggering. I do remember that because my roommate is a big gamer. Staggering. And, and now they've got it right. Like, I cannot, I've talked to everybody that I've spoken to that has played the new expansion, said it literally just should have been this in the first place, and they would have just, it's like the license to print money. And it's so absurd. It's very, very good. So, so I think here's the difference. I I think you guys can disagree with me on this. By complaining to Blizzard and taking that stance that people did, I think that they probably knew that okay, we're going to take this pretty dramatic stance and we have complete confidence that Blizzard will fix this problem nah. because they have shown a propensity to fix problems in the past. I don't know how long it took for them to fix Diablo 3, but you can be pretty you can be pretty comfortable thinking okay, Blizzard said they're going to fix this awesome. They're definitely going to fix it. If we take the stance on Magic Online and it's like, okay, you know what, F this, we're not playing and people actually, it actually happened. How much confidence do you have that WotC would fix it and it would be a good product? And that becomes the question. The fact that you 
didn't answer immediately with like I think they would fix it. I don't think they were. I think they would put together a good product immediately. That's what's disconcerting. Well, so I can tell right. you that I do. I do believe case. that the I do believe the effort would be there. I do believe the intent would be there. But it's really hard to put faith in the in that the final product would actually solve the problem. And that, and that's that's I think that's the big issue. It's just like. If even if like the radical thing happened where everyone's like, I'm not playing a Watsi's like, okay, we gotta do something about this right now. It's like, all right, they're gonna do something about it. Or at least they said they're gonna do something about it. Like, how good is that something that they're gonna do about it, I guess, is the question. Because like you can have pretty you can have pretty confidence you can have pretty high confidence in Blizzard to you know, okay, you know what? We really missed the mark with Diablo three. Let's get our experts on this and get this turned around because this is way too important. Mm-hmm. And they knocked it out of the park. I can tell you that I know there's at least like uh, Glenn McElwain has posted on Twitter on Facebook. He's he uninstalled Moto this week. Okay. Like full. He's he's um until very recently he was the best player in Canada not to qualify for the Pro Tour. He okay. remedied he remedied that this summer. Um, or <laughs> but over the winter or whatever. But um, it's now KYT. <laughs> whatever he's had some good gp finishes we'll get there we'll get there uh but yeah so so and and he's he's not alone like there's a lot of people just a bit like you know what i'm absolutely until they can put out a good product i'm i'm literally done he says i'll i'll, I'll just play paper that's it and that's fine and that's scary if somebody like and and he'll do it and god knows how long he's going to hold it hold to it for right but i mean like when a player that has had that much experience in tenure actually stands up and full on does it. And it's a, yeah, but the problem is that nobody knows who the hell that guy is. (laughs) I mean, it's like, I don't know who the fuck that guy is. And and now that you told me that, I don't even give a shit. Like, to be honest with you, I'm like, okay, fucking great. Like, I'm like thinking of it, like the way that Hasbro would look at it. Like, Oh my God. Even if we lose a thousand users, like how many users do they have on moto? Like, you need and like like Cedric and I already talked about. It doesn't matter. You need the pros to do it. Like you need well, Brian Kibler. Like, you need Brian Kibler to do. You need the streamers to do it. You yeah, need you like need, these you new celebrities Kibler, that people care about. You need Kibler to, to do a big blog post like he did about the fucking Moto PTQ. If I only mean, I, I, if if, if only you had control good. over that content. I know. I have to talk to someone who knows about that stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we can have that happen. It's just, you know, the if the streamers did it, would that do something? It's like, you know, maybe yes, maybe no. It's hard to say. You know, like there are three. I mean, there are two really popular streamers in MJ and uh, and Kenji. Yeah. And it's like, if they stop streaming, what would happen? It's like, I, I don't know. Stop streaming if they just started streaming something else. <laughs> if they switched. I mean, to- I mean, they've been dabbling in the Hearthstone. Yeah. Like their yeah. streams aren't primarily magic. Yeah. And that's the thing that I've seen that's been kind of happening too is like people are just like, eh, I'm just gonna play a little Hearthstone, whatever, that's fine. Hmm. Ah, just shot the fire up a game of Hearthstone. I don't really feel like playing Moto. Not I'll, I'll work my way on Hearthstone. And it's like eventually you had to imagine that an alternative was gonna surface. And now you know there's Hex. You know they're alternative. Like, and it, it's not to say that either, either of those games are better than Magic because nothing for my money is better than Magic. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like people. I feel like people do have breaking points and like, you know, it, it, it's, it, it gets to the point, right. Where, you know, like, like, let's take me for example, where it's like, I'm a one game guy and you know, I can't, 
I don't really have the time to play Magic Online, but like in the past, you know, if I was just you know playing Magic Online a bunch, and it's like my phone would be like, "Hey, try hacks," and it's like, "No, f you," and they would just keep they would just keep doing it, right? Like they'd be like, "Yeah, that sucks, Moto Crash. You want to try hacks?" And it's like, "No, f you," and then eventually it's like, "Fine, I'll try hacks," and then it's like, "Or I'll try Hearthstone," and it's like, "Wow, this is actually kind of sweet," and that's all Hearthstone needs to get you. That's how like, PD that's- got turned to the dark side of LOL. Yeah, that's all it needs. Like, it just gets Dark you once. Game, because, like, it, what they do is so well done. And, you know, I've seen people make arguments of just, like, it, uh, the user interface doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. It's like, well, then why do we keep making games look so beautiful? <laughs> Obviously, it matters. If the yeah. user interface didn't matter, Moto would not exist and everybody would be playing Cockatrice. Yeah. If user interface didn't matter, then the graphics would still be, like, Atari for yeah. video games. So, like, uh, that argument's really is. bad, too. Oh, sorry, I thought we were talking about Moto still. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. But you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, this it's is the first like... time this conversation's making me fear my collection, because I actually have a lot of money in there. <laughs> I'm just scared, actually scared now that it's just going to tank. <laughs> Where I was still pretty confident the last time we talked about it on this show. Well, like, that's the thing, is I would have to look at Hex, because I haven't really given it, like, a fair stab, but, like, I'm not too worried about Hearthstone because I don't think that it's a fair... I don't think it's a fair fight. Not because Blizzard has all the crazy programmers and everything like that. It's just the things that drive me crazy about Magic Online are things that you can't even do in Hearthstone. And even Hearthstone still crashes for me. But it's new. It's simple. You know, it's... it's it's not meat and potatoes, it's like a little tasty snack. And the fact that you can play a game so quickly like makes it a very easy to pick up and jam a quick game uh, style you know, game. Uh, it would be great if you could break up drafts. It would be great if they bring back something like Leagues where you could actually have something competitive that you can play you know, 10-15 minutes uh, instead of having to like sit down for an hour and a half. Like, I don't get to draft online anywhere near how much I would like to because I just don't have the free time to do it in my day. Like, I wouldn't be able to sleep the number of hours I need to wake up and be useful in the morning. So it's it's very, very difficult. And, like, that's where Hearthstone gets me is that it's it's very much uh, a Facebook game. It's an iPad game. It's something that you can just sit there and throw a few minutes at. Should, and it sh- looks really clean for what it does, but it doesn't do anything. Can we even, like, can we even talk about Duels of Planeswalkers? Well, see, that's the thing. That would be my argument is that if you want to say, you know, they can't do it right, or Magic can't figure it out. Magic's competitor, like for Hearthstone and stuff like that, is Duels of the Planeswalker, and I prefer Duels of the Planeswalker. I think yeah. it is a slicker-looking thing. Yeah. It could learn some stuff from Hearthstone, but it never needed that functionality. Yeah. And- no, and, and it's it's interesting that um, that we have these two things that are so that are, are so directly um, at, at other opposites of the spectrum because Duels of the Planeswalkers is a very slick user interface. Um, you know, they learned a lot from the first iteration and you play it now and it's it's very close to, to Training Wheels Magic. Like, you can pick which lands you want to tap and customize your decks and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And it's got a lot of the same baseline functionality that you're looking for out of a Moto client. And it looks a lot better. Now, it may not be as good at representing more complicated game states just because, you know, when we're talking about the screen size and all of that sort of jazz. But like, why can't you take a page from that? Like, very obviously, Hearthstone and Hex are your direct comp- competition. 
unfor- the challenge that I think that Wizards has in front of them is that they're just notoriously slow to react to everything. You know, we see that obviously with the development side because they, they work so far into the future that it takes a long time for them to correct challenges that arise in the in the metagame, right? If they don't see it and they miss it, then, you know, it takes them a long time to react. Um, may, is the same thing true? Is the same mindset true in the digital realm? Like, I don't even know. I don't know either. Uh, I mean, that's uh, the frustrating part is there are questions that are just always going to go unanswered, I yeah. think. Because we're just never going to have the information because we're not on the inside and stuff like that. Um, it's it's obviously frustrating for a user standpoint, and it it feels like nothing is being done about it. But at the same time, it's just like, well, we're at the mercy of whatever they want to do, and we'll just have to live with their decision. And it just sucks to feel that way. Yeah, that's all. I mean, we could have the Moto debate for just hours and hours and hours of all the things that they're doing wrong and how we would fix them. You know. Just radical approach here. You know, why do we have Kaijudo? Why don't we take all the money that we're putting in Kaijudo and just use that to fix Moto? Apparently, Kaijudo is a is a pretty good game. So says Jerry. I believe it. I mean, I've watched him play it. I know he likes it. And I, you know, there are people who definitely enjoy it. And it's like, you know, is it a better idea to have Kaijudo? Like, all the money that they're having Kaijudo, because it's a relatively new game, what if we just put all that money towards fixing Magic Online? Would that help Wizards more or less? Would yeah. that help Hasbro more or less? Like, because then you can use Magic Online to actually bring people in and you're not embarrassed to showcase the product. <laughs> yeah. That's like a real thing. Yeah, why, why is Jewels of the Planeswalkers always the big PAX display? Why isn't it Magic Online? Yeah, you know, like that, that's like a real question, right? Like, if you just say, okay, Kaijudo, all of the stuff that we put into this, like, we're going to use that money and we're just going to use that to fix Magic Online. Like, this is how we found the money. And, like, we fix Magic Online. Like, what's more important? Having Kaijudo exist, which is, you know, presumably targeting a younger audience to get mm-hmm. them into, you know, that that brand of, like, Hasbro games and maybe transitioning to Magic? Or is it better to have just a very efficient, sleek-looking Magic Online because that'll take your existing customers and then yeah, that'll take your existing customers and move them onto Magic Online? You know, then in the booster packs in real life, you can actually put, like, you know how they have those, like, those ads in the booster packs, like, before the land? Like, yeah. you have that, like, advertise Magic Online when it's good. And, like, you take your existing customers or, like, new customers who, who like, buy packs and they're like, oh, you can do this online, too? Oh, man, I'd love to do that. And then you have, like, a sleek-looking product, and then you've got them from both angles. You've got them from real life, and then you've got them from online. Like, is that generate them more income versus having Kaijudo be a game? Like, I have no idea. Yeah. But, like, that's just, like, one radical thing that you could talk about. And, like, there are just so many different things that we could talk about with, like, fixing Moto and all this stuff. But the thing that I have realized is, like, it's generally a pointless conversation because anything that we talk about is really not going to influence their decision-making because we don't know what's going on on the inside. We don't know what's going on with their budget and their their shareholders and stuff like that. So it's almost just kind of pointless. Sure. Well, in that case, then, your uh, thoughts, perhaps, on the new standard format we've got obviously you've seen a whole pile of it with journey into nix um where's your head on that these days what do you think um i think it takes a couple weeks for people to figure things out um you know in cincinnati last week for the star city open mono black one blue white got second uh we saw a lot of normal stock decks christopher o'brien got you know made top four with the saito blue white red deck that had a couple new cards and utilized some old cards now the temple of epiphany is here uh, I think it takes some time. Like there, I, I feel like there are too many powerful cards in Journey to Nyx for there not to be a shakeup. 
Um, you know, there's the fact that people may not have been able to acquire the new cards because they just came out. Uh, people are kind of unsure of themselves and don't want to use the Star City Games Open as a testing ground, would rather do that for FNM and things like that until they're really sure. So it's really easy for people to take the existing decks and the existing cards that they have and just say, all right, I'll just, you know, borrow and grab four copies of Temple of Malady and I already have Abrupt Decays and let's give this a shot and just play stuff like that. Or, you know, Blue White had like one Deicide and one Banishing Light and just take a much more safer approach instead of the like four mana confluence. I'm not sure what the 36 creatures should be or exactly how many temples I'm supposed to play. Uh, sort of thing, and the Star City's coming into town, and I want to make the most of this experience, so I'll play something I know as opposed to something I don't know. Um, for me, personally, I hope that there are some new decks, because if I have to call one more match with fucking Packrat, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, what you see is a problem with Packrat? Don't answer I, that. I don't even have a problem with Packrat, it's just like, there are only so many different ways that I can make, you know, He's going to activate Pack Rat. The card that he drew has no text. What it actually is, is a Star Star Rat. You know, there are only so many ways that I can make that interesting. And, I mean, what people want to see is they want to see new stuff. They don't want to see Pack Rat mirrors or here comes Mono Black Devotion again. I guess, like, it, it's fun from a David versus Goliath standpoint if something beats, like, Mono Black in the finals. But, you know, I, I don't mind Mono Black, but I don't want to just be like, oh, Mono Black won again. And it won again. And it won again. So what was the what do you think is the most powerful card from Journey into Nyx that didn't see play this week this past weekend that should? Probably Master of the Feasts. Okay. Uh I mean just like three mana five five. It seems like it's a pretty good card. The drawback is really, really interesting. I think that there's a way to build a deck where that drawback isn't that big of a deal. Or you're killing them so quickly that like if you get it if you get to hit them with that once, that's your goal. Like, all, all it takes is one hit. If, like, you get to hit him with it twice, there's no way your opponent's winning. Sure. But, like, if you have the opportunity to hit him with it once, it's really, really good. Um, I, I think, like, Gnarled Scarhide, too, is one of those cards where, like, we saw it briefly, like, in round number one. Um, but, like, you know, that card's definitely really, really powerful. And I think, again, people are just trying to kind of find, trying to find the right home for, you know, cards like that. Okay. And uh, we didn't see too, too much shakeup in terms of legacy, right, at this point? Yeah, I, I didn't expect there to be any, honestly. I don't think there's a lot of cards that actually come from Journey Legacy. Additionally, it's Legacy is just such a slow-moving format as yeah. far as change is concerned that, yeah, I expected to see, like, you know, Delver decks. And I was a little bit surprised to see Death and Taxes win, but at the same time, the guy who won with it, Pierre Nystrom, is um, a Euro who's just really good with the deck. Sure. So I wasn't too surprised to see like him win once he did win. Right. Well, the question that I know I'm sure you guys get asked enough, and uh, and we'll ask again. And I don't know how much influence you have over this, but maybe you've got some perspective. Uh, modern. Okay. Format that uh, I know you have played your fair share of. Love and, it. And uh, yeah, it's a great, wonderful format. I mean, Jeremy and I both are, are strong advocates yes. for it. Um chance we're going to see that on the SCG circuit, even as one-shots? Uh, it's pretty unlikely. Is there a particular reason for that? Uh, there that are some that I can, There are some that I can discuss, there are some that I can't discuss. I, the easiest way to say, the easiest thing to say is this. People really, really look forward when we come to town for a Legacy Open. Huh. They really, really look forward to it. Even though our Legacy Opens obviously aren't as big as our Standard Opens, 
the legacy audience is one that is very passionate about their format, and they really, really look forward when we come to town for Legacy Open. That's really the long and the short of it. Like, we are, it's pretty, it, it seems kind of cocky to say, but we are, like, the one thing that's keeping the Legacy community alive because, like, we're consistently having Legacy tournaments. I think it's absolutely true. I, I don't think it's cocky at all. Yeah, and like, and I think it's like really important to be able to do that. Like, you know, imagine like if imagine if, for example, like we just cut off our legacy opens and said, okay, we're just going to run all modern opens. Like that just isolates like a a pretty like substantial group of people. I think of just like you know, all right, legacy tournaments. That's just not a thing anymore. So like nice dual lands, those are cool, but you don't get to use those. So I hope like your local tournament has those stores or. You know, you guys have fun local get-togethers because that's the only way you're going to get to use them. Like, I don't feel like it's a thing where we owe the legacy community, but at the same time, now that we're running them, it's just like if we take them away, it, like there's going to be what two legacy grand prix a year, and that's it. Yeah, and that just sucks. Like, and you know, if if we could have like a three-day weekend and have a modern one too, I mean, that'd be great because I think the modern ones would do well. But like, legacy is just it. It has its community, it has its supporters, it has its followers, and modern is certainly getting there. But if you take away the Legacy Opens, Legacy, you could argue, is just not going to get played. Sure. No, and that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, Modern, obviously, we still have a PTQ season to play it, and people are playing it at F&Ms, and, you know, like, it's it's still a very uh, very popular and viable format. It's starting to pick up more steam than ever, as evidenced, obviously, by the absurd gong show that was GP Richmond. And the other thing, too, is, like, Modern is a little bit volatile, like, just from a... I own cards for modern standpoint because like it's a little bit scary. Just like I could lose this card from my deck and that would suck. Like, you know, it, it's like, you know, you can argue that Malira pot is just the best modern deck. I think it's pretty hard to argue against it at this point. And it's like, you know, if you decide, all right, I'm moving in for a Malira pot deck so I can play these opens. Like it's not out of the question for them to just go, all right, well, birthing pot, gotta go. Where like with legacy, it's, like it's not a format where you can expect a lot of bannings. Like a lot, 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 not a lot of stuff changes legacy. So you know that like your investment legacy is not going to change. Like if you get the dual lands, it's like okay, the dual lands aren't going anywhere. Yeah. But like if you move it on a legacy deck, like sure, you know a high percentage of Malira Pod isn't going anywhere. But the card that makes Malira Pod function and Birthing Pod, if that gets banned, the deck is gone. So you've effectively lost Birthing Pod, and you could argue like your entire deck and your entire investment, and that's like kind of scary. Yeah, and that I guess from that perspective, it makes sense, too. And I mean, like, Star City Games, of course, you know, has done very well financially on the management of that ecosystem, too, right? So, like, as far as the buying and selling of staples and all that sort of stuff. So, I, like, I understand that that makes sense, too. I mean, this isn't the first time I've been asked this. It's not the last time. And trust me, we have thought about running Modern Opens, and there are definitely a lot of positives to it. And I think that Modern is... I, it's tough to say if it's the best format. I really like playing Tron a lot, so I'm a bit I'm a bit biased. But Karn doesn't care. Yeah, it's, I mean it's a lot of fun to play, yeah. and evident by Grand Prix Richmond with all those people coming out. But it's just if 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 you don't run the Legacy Opens anymore, it, it dies. And also think about it in this aspect: like, let's say you know two months down the road, we just decided to do like a random Modern Open. Like we're going to Baltimore, and that so Legacy Open we're going to be doing just a Modern Open. It's like I could I could certainly see the blowback of people just being like, "Damn it! Why does this one have to be the modern one?" Mm. <laughs> and that sucks too. Like, cause you know, when people people generally get excited when we like announce the schedule for quarter four and stuff, because people want to see where we're gonna go and what we're gonna do. 
And so, like, when we make the quarter four announcement, for example, and it's just like, all right, we're coming to Portland, and Portland's going to be the modern one, you could very easily see the people in, like, Seattle and Portland and that area just be like, God! <laughs> I was waiting for him to come back, and now I don't even get to go because I don't even play modern. I got this sweet legacy deck, and damn it, all right. Maybe they'll come back next time. And, you know, that, that's what makes it difficult. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, I guess it's nice to see, you know, a higher volume of modern, you know, coming up um, you know, in the uh, the Wizards tournaments and stuff, which which helps. Um, what is interesting as a speculation is that the Players' Championship uh, has not been identified in terms of uh, format. Bum, 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 bum. So that could be something super awesome also. Anyways. Tournament. Yeah, we're pretty excited about that. That's going to be like it's another pro tour to watch. It's like literally another pro tour. It's pretty. I'm awesome. glad you guys. I'm glad you guys look at it that way. That's cool. Well, it's fifty thousand in prizes for like a very select few. Maybe it's more like the world championship, but like it's it's awesome. I, I think that what you guys have done really kind of steps it up. And uh, and I mean, like very clearly, you're seeing that with the attendance. I mean, you guys haven't run a f- less than nine round tournament in fucking how long? It's been some time. Yeah, much to the chagrin of, I'm sure, your your coverage team. But... <laughs> Dude, the legacy, the legacy part is when we're doing the when we're like um, when we're finishing up the standard open and the legacy people are filing in. It's always this like tension because like for us, we wake up at seven uh, to start the coverage at eight, and then like we finish the elimination rounds for the standard open, and then we take a break, and it's like. I mean, I want nine rounds or ten rounds legacy because I want what's best for the open series, and I want more people playing Magic. But it's like, you know, we'll go up to the booth, like, how many people are here? <laughs> the cutoff for, like, eight rounds, I think, is, like, two... It's, like, 228 or something like that. I can't remember. And it's just, like, they're, like, a, you know, 200 with about ten minutes to go. It's like, come on. Come on, eight-rounder. Come on. And then, like, you know, 20 more people pile through the door, and it's like, God damn it! all right, that's fine. <laughs> But like every time there's an eight round legacy open, because like you know at the back end of the on the back end of Sunday, I think everyone can kind of tell that we get a little tired and loopy. Yeah. And I mean that's when it that's like when it's fun, and like you know, if it's an eight rounder, it's like we'll be we'll be less loopy and be able to provide you know the best coverage we can. But I mean realistically, Sunday is like a sixteen hour workday of just doing coverage. Yeah. So th- there are those times like when we see people come in and it's just like how about two twenty four? And it's like three hundred and one. All right, fine. That's that's fine. You guys have uh, so in during the initial uh, Star City Games chat uh, or Star City Games coverage, there was a lot of talk about you know your commentators viewing the chat, the Twitch chat. Okay. And I know that that's something that you guys have done away with at this point. You guys don't watch the Twitch chat at all. Oh, they don't have Twitch chat. It is. It is. Uh, it is like down. There are there are like backdoor ways to get in it. I guess people have told me, but. Yeah, the Twitch chat does not exist for our coverage. Okay. Why? I mean, like, is that just in the wake of sort of the, uh, some of the blowback that you've had with, like, Feline Longmore and stuff like that? Like, is that sort of, was that the catalyst for that change? Have you ever seen what people say in those things? I mean, I generally just try to avoid all armpits of the internet, and generally, you know, like, Watsy and, and Star City chats were those armpits, and Buffalo. Yeah, they're literally some of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Like, to a degree that is just, like, I get that you can say whatever you want due to anonymity, but, like, come on. 
Like, come on. Like, you know, there was like this time when like Jackie Lee was under attack when she made like top eight of a Grand Prix. And people were just saying like the most absurd things about, you know, her being a woman and, you know, her ability to play magic. And it's just like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, you have to be kidding me with this. Like, it, it's essentially like, you know, they like it was available. And then the people who were in there kind of killed it for the ability to have it. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's honestly it. And, and the people have been like, well, just get moderators. And that's fine. And it's just like, no, just no. Like, yeah. why should we have to, like, you know, pay people or just, like, have people run a shift to make sure that you are not being an asshole? <laughs> yeah. Can't be personally accountable. Bullshit, man. Yeah. That's fair. I, I, we were asked to uh, to make sure we mentioned it on Twitter, so I had to uh, I had to ask, so. Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, we like the chat to be available and people be able to get the most out of it and all that stuff. But it's just like, the it's just so toxic mm-hmm. in the chat, and it's just it's just not a good thing. It, at least in my opinion, it's just not a good thing. So when are when are we going to see uh, Star City Games Toronto? I really wish soon. I do, because I know that if we came to Toronto, it would be gigantic. It would be well. I mean, like our PTQs are retarded. Yeah. Right. I mean, like there's there's no secret that Toronto has some of the some of if not the I mean historically the but you know biggest PTQs that are going. The Magic playing community here rivals that of like the you know New York New Jersey areas. You know we know summer summer sets love, are ridiculous, right? And I would love to go there. Yeah. I think it's like this thing where I think it's difficult to have one up there for like reasons of moving the cards across the border or something. I don't work in the OP department, obviously, who does the scheduling for stuff like this, but, like, I have heard, like, it's stuff like that. Um, and also, I, I, just, I, I just, maybe, like, it's just not big enough yet to do that. Like, you have noticed that we're, like, kind of branching out in some of the things that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, we have had IQs in Europe. Yeah. And... What, is, what is this, like, sponsoring this event in Japan? What is this? Yeah, yeah. We're doing, like, the big, the big uh, magic thing in Japan and stuff like that. Like, we're, we're definitely trying to branch out and open some things up and you know we're working on some programs uh in-house that i would love to be able to tell you guys about because they're really really exciting evan Irwin is some kind of some kind of robot dude he is some kind of robot when it comes to stuff like this and our other guys jared silva and just the the in-house team that we have for op and technology and marketing are just incredible and there are definitely some big things going on like the branching out of the open series and the IQs over in Europe and running the big tournament in Japan. You know, it's just new stuff that we're trying and we're going to see how it goes. But it's really exciting. Cool. Very awesome. It's a good time to be playing Magic. I agree. It's always a good time to play Magic. There are definitely some frustrations with it, but it's a really, really good time to be playing Magic. And it's been a really, really busy but fun last, uh, last year for me. So with like your coverage and stuff like that, like I always seem like with the the pro tour and the GPs and stuff like that, like you and Watsy kind of trade blows in like innovations and stuff like that. When you look at your own stream, what is like the one thing that just you wish you could change? Like, well, what, where do you guys see yourself weak? And like, do you have any plans to kind of address those things going forward? Um, like for the star city stream. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you can always, you can always do things better. Like, you know, for like, we don't have, you know, the budget of Watsy to have, like, the big cameras and all of that stuff. So, 
you know, we do the best that we can with the budgets that we have available. That's just the most cliche and corporate answer of all time. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's awful. If you had their budget, would you be using the money the same way that they're doing? Like, do you, do you like that they're doing that? Do you wish you could be doing that? Because, you know, from a viewing side of things, like, I don't necessarily see, like, I always feel like sometimes Wizards of the Coast just makes it look a lot grander than it needs to be. Like, so I don't need the shot the, the, where I see four tables playing at the same time, but you can't actually see what's going on in any of those games. But they yeah, love that yeah, shot. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that shot. I remember seeing that shot for the first time. It's, like, cool when you first see it, and then you're just like, that's so cool! I don't, I can't tell what's going on. Like, that's what yeah. happened the first time I saw it. The, the big one, to me, is hand cams. But there's also this interesting, like, debate with hand cams. It's like, okay, if you have hand cams, you know everything that's going to happen always. And so it takes away, like, some of the uh, suspense. And if, But if you don't have hand cams, you don't always know what's going to happen. So, like, imagine, like, if you have access to their entire hand the whole time, it seems like the suspense is kind of lessened. And versus when you, if you don't have their hand the entire time, like, if they... If you don't know what's in their hand, like that kind of might make it more suspenseful to actually watch. So, like, I know that a lot of people have been wondering, like, is there a good way to incorporate hand cams? And it's kind of hard to say. Like, I like I'd like to imagine, given the fact that it's like 2014, that you have to be able to incorporate them. But like, how much does it cost, and what can you do? Like, yeah. I would like to see what would happen if we incorporated hand cams and how it would be received by the public. That's cool. like the one thing that I've always wanted to do. It's just like. Because there's no guarantee that people would like it, is the thing. Don't you guys, I mean, like, your coverage as well, though, like, you've got, you can often see most of the cards in in the player's hands. Yeah. You know, like, so with without the actual, like, people sitting over your shoulders and typing in every, you know, like those iPads, the judges at the side tables with iPads or whatever, just, like, consistently indicating every card in the hand. But... Yeah, it's just like it's like kind of interesting. Like, I don't like. It seems like hand cams like the next step, but I just don't know if it's like good or bad or if it's necessary. Mm. Like, I don't know how much it would improve the broadcast because, like, at the beginning, people were just like, "Man, I wish we could see everyone's hand," but like that hasn't been a complaint for a long time now. So I don't know if people are dying to have that happen anymore. Okay, that makes sense. Cool. KYT, you're quiet over there. It's par for the course. That's my job. I know he's quiet. I know he's quiet. <laughs> I'm surprised Jay's being as quiet as he's being. Look, I it's feel like I'm supposed here. To... Yeah, I'm still here. He's... I feel like I'm supposed to answer more difficult questions. You think? Come on. Fire away. Sc- uh, scumbag I want to get myself in trouble. Ooh, scumbag, scumbag story. story. <laughs> Give us a new scumbag story another Star City Games employee. (laughs) That's a tough one. That's a good one. Oh, God. Oh, man. I don't... hmm. Is there a scumbag story for a Star City Games employee? It's like more of just like a joke. He says there is, and you just are trying to decide if you can say it or not. Like, so whenever I'm put on the spot to think of a story, I have to, like, rack my brain very quickly. Um... Like, the scumbag stories aren't, like, really, like, being scummy. Like, you know, for example, Patrick Sullivan knows that I'm on a diet right now because we do all the shows together. And so in the show in St. Louis, he went and got me breakfast at Panera 
and instead bought me like bear claws and cupcakes instead of what I asked for. <laughs> so like I don't know if that counts as a scumbag story or not. But it's just like, you know, hey man, here's your breakfast. And he just pulls a gigantic bear claw out of the bag and I'm like, You are an asshole. <laughs> and he's like, Don't be mad at me. I'm just enabling what you actually want to eat. <laughs> so I don't know if that counts. Uh, it doesn't that really happened, count, but it's still was, a good story. I was I was pretty mad about that because I just didn't get to eat breakfast that day. Um, I'm trying to. There's not. I'm trying to think of like the camera crew. There's any scumbag things that they did, which is like really no. They're just like the nicest guys ever, and we're the assholes. Um, I I feel like I'm full of disappointment here, dudes. Yep. Okay, I, I have a I have a scumbag story of my own that I right. tell. Um, it's up to you guys how scummy this is. So I was playing in a uh, I was playing in a Seattle this one, but the one before that I was playing like Esper. I went eight and two and got like I don't know like top thirty two or something. And I lost a game to a guy who I had played a couple times in legacy tournaments here because we have like a really nice legacy scene. And he's like a really nice guy, but he's like overly nice. And he likes to shake your hand a lot. So in game three, I was playing Esper and he was playing like a junk deck. And like I had, I was basically trying to beat his Blood Baron. And like I was like kind of sandbagging and Elspeth and some other things to try to beat a Blood Baron. And as a result, like I had a Blood Baron of my own. And so I play it and I know he's like pretty dead to it because I know all the cards in his hand. And then like he peels an Elspeth to kill it. And then afterward, like, I have, like, another Blood Baron that I've been holding for a little while. And then, like, my Blood Baron is going to kill his Elspeth, and then he's going to be, like, basically cold to it. And then, like, he ends up healing, like, the exact perfect card on the exact turn to kill it. And then, like, I end up losing. And, like, I'm kind of frustrated a little bit because, like, after the game, he's like, man, that was such a good game. Wow, it was a really good game. It, like, really wasn't. <laughs> and so, like, he shook my hand. And, you know, like, at this point, like, it's not like I, it's like, I don't feel like I'm obligated to be nice, but, like, it's just, like, the right thing to do. Like, I'm just, like, it's one of, like, the eight tournaments I get to play year or whatever. And so, like, he's like, man, what a good game, what a good game. And, like, the, uh, the competitive side of me is just, like, that was not a good game. God, fuck. And I'm just like, yeah, good game. And he's just like, you know, I peeled the Elspeth to kill your blood bear. Like, that was pretty lucky. And I'm like, oh, yeah. No. Yeah, you know, that was, like, pretty lucky or whatever. That kind of sucks. And he's like, and then you play another one. And I peel again to kill that one. I'm like, well, yeah, you had no cards in your hands. So I remember that too. And he's like, that's really a game. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, man. And he's like, and you know, like, game one, when I beat you, like, that's pretty good too. And I'm, uh, sure. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? And like, during this, he just like shook my hand, like, in between like game one when we sat down and this, like conversation we had shaken six times oh my god and so like he's like packing up his stuff and his friends come over and he's just like yeah did you win he's like yeah i beat cedric and i'm like yeah i lost you know it's kind of frustrating because like i like my deck and i don't get to play and so when i do play i want to win and he was like really happy which is good and he's just like went to go shake my hand again and i'm just like i'm good dude <laughs> And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I thought, like, you know, seven was enough. <laughs> and he's just like, you don't, 
you don't gotta be a dick about it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to be a dick. I just think that, you know, seven's like, oh, that's a lot of shakes for a match. And he's just like, were you mad? I'm just like, <laughs> no. But like, I just don't think we need to shake hands anymore. Like, you won. And he's like, jeez. Bros. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not even a pro anymore. Like, I just don't think we need to shake hands anymore. And he's like, whatever, dude. I'm like, am I being an asshole? Like, what, what happened here? <laughs> I just thought that, like, you know, like, seven, seven shakes is a lot. Like, it was, it was pre-match shake, post-game one shake, pre-game two shake, post-game two shake, pre-game three, post-game three, and then, like, shake during the explanation of, like, how he got kind of lucky to win. And then he just, like, went for the eighth one, and I'm just like, eh. There's a guy that's like that on my FNM, and he, like, but he also likes to get, like, right fucking right up close to you. Like, he'll extend his hand, and it, like, touches your chest kind of thing. <laughs> and he's just like, hey, good game, bro. Hey, good game. Good game, right? Good game. Good game. Good game, bro. Good game. And you're just like, I'm going to fucking murder your family. <laughs> This is just the guy you want to, like, put in a box and send to Greg Hatch so that Greg Hatch can teach him about the post-game handshake. Yeah, like, yeah and, like, yeah. I, I remember, like, like, like uh, I run along, we've been doing this podcast, but, like, right at the beginning of it, we were talking about this and how, like, if you win, are you a dick for um, doing the, the hand, like, for giving the handshake? Because, like, shouldn't you wait for, like, the loser to offer it? And there was, like, a bunch of controversy because, like, a bunch of us were like, no, like, you're not. You're not like if you're rubbing in the guy's face, yeah, but that's different. You're just rubbing. It doesn't matter what you do if you're rubbing in the guy's face. But if you're just if you're just trying to be nice, then you know, like I don't think it matters who who shakes the the hand. It's like you know, at the end of a hockey game, everybody lines up and shakes hands. It's like no big deal. No big Only deal. in the playoffs. Uh, whatever. It's like no big deal, right? And then and then now and then like you get into these situations where it's just like, you know, seven handshakes and you and you won. And I'm the dick. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. truthfully, if you were to be... Like, think about it this way, guys. If you were at the urinal, and you gave yourself seven definitive shakes at the urinal, would that be awkward if somebody saw you doing it? <laughs> I mean, probably, right? Like... I mean, definitely. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I mean, that's probably enough. Seven well, maybe I don't know. Think, like maybe, maybe he was doing the seven shakes at the urinal, and then like, you know, he was told to not shake it anymore. And he's like, "Really? You got to be a dick? Like, I'm just shaking. That's all. It's fine. You're making it weird." Maybe. Yeah, like, I didn't know if I was being a dick or not. Like, because, I don't think so. Because like, it's also at the same time like I was kind. Like, I started the tournament two and zero. Oh, I think this was round three, and I was kind of getting like zoned in. I was just like, all right, my deck's sweet. I'm playing pretty well, and like, I don't get to play very much. So when I do play, I really want to win. And so like, I have to like kind of balance my emotions because like when I was playing competitively in my early twenties, I was kind of a dick. And so I have to like you know <laughs> scale it back a little bit because like I don't want people to think that I'm a dick. We we, heard, we did hear that about you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was definitely a dick in my early twenties, and so I was just you know, it's just like it doesn't it doesn't benefit anyone for me to be an asshole at this point. And also, it's just, like, not appropriate for me to be an asshole. So it's, like, you know, when I'm kind of zoning in, it's just, like, all right, like, I'm, like, pretty intense when I'm playing competitive magic, but, like, you know, I don't want to make anyone's experience unpleasant. 
because that's just not like a cool thing to do. But like I could also kind of tell like during game three when like he pulled the second Elspeth, I got like pretty mad. And I was like, uh oh, God, alright, don't get mad. Like he didn't, you know, fucking draw that to make you angry. It's just magic. Okay. And then he just like kept going on and on about like and then I drew that Elspeth and that really fucked you up. It's like Yeah, Wasn't I was it great. Here. Wasn't it great when I fucked you twice? Man, that was so good. It was like I was fucking you, you were trying to fuck me, but I was just like, no, now you're fucked now. Wasn't that so good? Fuck. You know, I only fuck. played touch two Elspeths. Touch me, let me touch you, touch me, <laughs> touch me, touch it, touch it, touch it, let me touch you. <laughs> it was, uh, fuck that I, that, that's like the best comeback story I, I really have. I, there hasn't been too much scumbaggery in my life recently. Well, there hasn't no been a lot of charm. playing magic. Yeah, there hasn't been like any Esper charming or, you know, just really nothing that's really notable. Um, there hasn't been a lot of magic playing. I mean, like when I stream and someone engages me at complaining, then I go crazy, but I don't engage. And I only really do it because like, people think it's funny. But like if someone complains about me getting lucky or something, then I engage. But that's really, that's about it. And I mean, you know what? It's funny because I'll do that often as well, but I'll like go over the top to be like nice and like sarcastically nice, you know, so that they just keep going more. And yeah, they that's, just, that's yeah, fun. yeah, that's, yeah that, fun. that's, that's like super fun. It's like, I quali- know, it's quality entertainment. Yeah. I do know that one time, uh, just a quick story. I was streaming and this guy, like I, I was like playing Tron and something. And like, obviously I got lucky with Tron because that's all I ever do when I play the deck. And like, I like, you know, peeled like a Karn or something when the guy was ahead and I came back, or like peeled like an O-Stone or something, and he's just like, you lucky piece of shit. And I'm just like, well, uh, you, didn't, you didn't play optimally, so I can't really be mad. And he just like got like really mad. And so then like, I, you know, I started engaging and was like making fun of him and just going back and forth, whatever. And I guess like some of my stream viewers messaged him on Moto, and he didn't know that it was me. And so after the match, he messaged me, and he's like, oh, my God, I didn't know it was you. <laughs> and I'm just like, that doesn't make it okay, dude. And he's like, I love your stuff. I love your commentary. You're doing a great job with Star City. And, like, all this stuff, just, like, to everyone who's watching my stream, and I'm just like, but, dude, you can't just snap on people like that. Like, It's like, go ahead, sorry. No, it's just like, he just, like, because he found out that, like, I was someone relevant in the Magic community that he likes, he's like, Oh man, if you weren't anybody, I would definitely be making fun of you still. But since you're you, I am so sorry. And it was just like to watch him after just calling me like an asshole and these things to just like backpedal really fast was really funny. Yeah, I had a so I had a stream and there was this guy online and uh, so you know he was saying like you know what go you know fuck off go you know go die or whatever. And I'm just like, hey, you know what? I hope you have a great night. I'm like, thanks, friend. And so he ends up saying, you know, you should kill yourself immediately. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks. Do you have any advice for me on how to do that exactly? And he just replies with, like, shotgun. I'm like, oh, thanks. Such a nice guy. But the only made, superpower that I moment. want, I, the only superpower that I want is I want to be able to teleport to someone and just punch them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> like blind, right? Like not actually knowing yeah. who they are, so that like internet yeah. anonymity does not protect you. Correct. 
Yeah. That's the only superpower that I ever want. It's just like, oh, you think you can just say whatever you want? Teleport, punch in the face. That's it. <laughs> That's the only superpower I've ever wanted in my entire life. It's a good one. Internet, being able to hide yourself on the internet infuriates me. Well, and I mean, it's probably even more so because you, you don't have that luxury, right? I mean, sure. I, I guess. It's just like, I, I just don't understand how people can just have the audacity to just be like, I can say and do whatever I want with no repercussions. I don't care whose feelings it hurts. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just really annoying. Yeah, no regard for humanity. Yeah. So, uh, so what's next for Cedric Phillips? What's next for me? All right. Well, here comes the shameless plugs. This weekend is StarCityGames.com Open Series in Knoxville, Tennessee. There's a standard open Ooh. and a legacy open. Hey, how about that? Come on down. And if Who's you can, booth? Patrick Sullivan, Cedric Phillips, Nick Miller, and the rest of the Star City Games Live crew will be there to bring you the best coverage in Magic the Gathering. <laughs> so, okay, there's, there's that. I'm done with the shameless plugs. Um, that's pretty much it. Like, I have that show, and then I have two weeks off. Uh, one of the weeks is off just because of the Pro Tour, and then I just have the other weekend off. So um, I think, like, next week I'm just going to be doing mostly nothing, um, just, like, relax and maybe, like, get some extra work done and work on some projects. And then the following week I'm doing a vintage rotisserie draft with my friends here in Seattle. Sweet. And I've never done one before, and I've never prepared for one. And I hear they're a lot of fun, and I'm trying to devise a plan so that I can win. Ooh. Right now, I'm trying to figure out if you can if you can draft Dredge and Vintage Rotisserie. But it seems very hard. I would think it's going to be very hard. So that's, like, the thing that I've been working on. Because, like, uh, the Vintage Rotisserie thing that the guys do here in Seattle is, like, um, you all purchase a really nice uh, alcoholic beverage, like a bottle of wine, a really nice beer, or something like that. And then the winner gets, like, all of them. Oh, sweet. So that's basically what you play for. And so, you know, like, People like to drink here, and, you know, it's mostly for fun and stuff like that, but it's also a good group of players, so they take it, like, kind of seriously, and a lot of people put a lot of prep into drafting their decks, and so uh, this is the only one I'm going to get to do this year because it's one of the few weekends I have off, so I actually really want to win, and so I don't really know what I'm doing for Vintage Rotisserie, but I want to figure it out. All right, well, you guys can uh, get at Cedric if you've got some tips and tricks. You guys know how to reach him. He's everywhere on the Internet. Uh, what was it that led you to pick the uh, select people that you did for your coverage team? Yeah, Martel was oh, a little no. salty. He wasn't actually salty, but he didn't mention Ooh. it. Tom was a little salty. Oh, so like, Tom is like so busy. He did say that. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. he did say that. Yeah, <laughs> because, he's like he kind of said that guys he wanted to do it, and then he explained why he couldn't do it. But yeah, like he's super busy, like. Tom only got to be in the booth, like, once or twice, and, like, he was really good both times because he's really smart and articulate and fantastic at magic. But, like, he's so busy, it's, like, impossible to schedule him for shows around his schedule. You know? Like, like I like I, I did the I did Tom's initial show, the Invitational with him in Atlanta. It was me, Tom, and Osip, and he was really good. And he was just like, yeah, I can't wait to do more of these. And, like, you know, we were trying to schedule him for shows, and he's like, well, I can't do those because of, like, my job, and I only have so much vacation time. And also, like, the vacation time I use for Pro Tours. So, like, it just it wasn't even close to realistic to have him be, like, a consistent commentator. Like, he's not going to quit his, like, very high-paying lawyer yeah. job yeah. to do commentary with us. Yeah. You know? Like, it just it just didn't line up correctly. Um, as far as the other people, like, 
it's mostly about commitments and like if they were able to do them or not. Like me, like I don't have any other job ever. So, and this is all I want to do for a really long time. So there's that. Patrick really wanted to do as many shows with me as he could as possible and just wanted to make it as best as he could. Patrick's stance on it, and this is Sullivan, was basically either I want to do a, a ton of shows or no shows. Because he either wants to do a ton of them and be the best that he possibly can be at it, or do none. Because by only doing a few, he doesn't get the opportunity to consistently improve. Sure. Um, I'd say the same thing goes for Chapin, um, Matthias, and then I feel like I'm missing something. And Osip, he doesn't get to do that many because of his job, but like, I think he's really good at coverage, and I think people genuinely enjoy his coverage. And just yes. enjoy the personality of OSIP. Mm. Like, there was that one stretch around Richmond where it was yourself, uh, Sullivan, and OSIP. Like, you guys were, like, kind of, like, doing, like, the... I think you guys did, like, three or four shows in a row right before you guys made this transition to having the smaller team. And that yeah. was the the best coverage Magic has had in its going. Like, that, that period there. So, I, I remember when that happened because I was just, like, you know... This is where it needs to be. This is the bar that has been raised. These three guys know what's going on. They play off of each other really well. I want to watch and listen. In times, I will watch bad matchups because I want to hear them talk about it. Like, that's what you need to get. Like, these guys have such character uh, that listening to them just tell, you know, random stories while the game's going on is enough for me to watch a game that I have no interest in. So, like, that was that was a big deal for me because it was like you guys had finally, like, solved it. And to see that those guys, you know, are all kind of coming back and that you're really sticking to it was, like, a really, really big thing. And I even think that on the Watsy side of things, you're seeing people who are now assuming roles where it's not like, we're not going to put Sheldon in the booth because, because Sheldon just, yeah. You know, he has strengths other, in other places, so let him do those things. Mm-hmm. The, the, it's interesting, um, the one that you kind of glossed over is one that I'm pretty sure you got a lot of shit for. Um, and, or I'm, rather, I guess I'm curious to see if you got a lot of shit for because all I kept hearing about feedback was that people thought that Matthias was terrible in the booth. See, I love Matthias. So, people are so wrong. So here's the, here's <laughs> yeah. the thing. Uh, like, Matthias has been on the show. He's a good buddy of ours. Like, like I, I, you know, I know, I, I actually, personally, I've always enjoyed it, right? I think that he brings a, a good amount of analytics to the show, which I think is relevant. And, you know, he doesn't come off too know it all So it's good, right? But there are a lot of people that just have a fucking huge raging heart on for, you know, or a hate on, rather, for him. And I'm just curious if you received any shit over that. Um, so the Matthias thing is, like, really split. Like, there are people who love him, and there are people that hate him. Like, you know, if you if you just look at the individual commentators, right, there's, like, me, people like the way that I commentate, and they like my personality. Um, they like Osip's personality, they like Chapin's personality, they like Patrick Sullivan, and I guess, like, you know, they, like, they feel like, I guess, they're more familiar with us, and they like our personalities, because we're kind of, like, larger-than-life characters, I guess, for lack of a better term. And, like, Matthias isn't that person. Also, like, I think that, I think that people look at Matthias as though, like, maybe he's not that skilled at Magic because it doesn't have, like, the profile that, like, you know, a Chapin, a Hall of Famer, Osip's won a Pro Tour, um, I've top eight at a Pro Tour, Pat has, like, a bunch of Grand Prix top eights, and, you know, he's known as, like, the red guy, mm-hmm. like, Matthias is basically just known as, like, the combo guy. Like, I don't really think that people understand hey, that, like, Matthias was, he was a Rookie of the Year, he's, like, cashed, like, Infinite. he's cashed many more Pro Tours than I have. Yeah. 
You know, like, he has a bunch of accomplishments that kind of fly under the radar, so I don't think people understand how good Matthias is in Magic, is number one. Um, and number two, like, he kind of takes an approach in the booth as a teacher, because he is a teacher. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I could see how that, like, kind of, like, stance or narrative that he creates is a little bit different. Um, and I also think, like, it, it also has to do with, you know, pairings. Like, you know, Patrick and I obviously work really well together because we're really good friends. And, uh, you know, we've done so many shows together. And Matthias is kind of in and out a little bit. And he kind of gets thrown around for pairings a little bit. Um, I think that actually some of the best coverage that I have done is with Matthias. Like, I can think of a match where I did a, I did a match with Matthias. It was our first match at the Somerset Invitational last year. We were watching Junk Reanimator against something. And after the match, I was just like, holy shit, that was good. And I think that, like, with more practice and stuff like that, like, Matthias, there were other options besides him to bring into the booth, and it was a decision to bring him in, because I think that he can be very, very good at coverage. It's awesome. I think, yeah. he, just, I, I think he just gets a bad rap. And, oh, yeah, uh, I mean, probably. People, people prefer other, I mean, people prefer certain things and things like that, like, you know, um... God, I, why can't I remember your name? All I see is pigs of a. I'm sorry, Jeremy. I feel so bad. It's Jeremy, I'm really sorry. I see no only pigs, and everyone else's name is up there. Um, like you know, you said you like him a lot. Yeah. Like, is there any reason? Like, is there something about him that stands out to you that you just like? Uh, I think it goes into the teaching aspect of it. I I like that you know the way that he kind of approaches things. He has a very deliberate uh, way that he likes to explain the game, and. That's just kind of like I just I get a good vibe off of watching him, and I always find that he's trying to open the eyes of people when you know they're doing the coverage thing, and that that's what there is. There's all these just different dynamics that you get out of watching it. Like when I watch you stream uh, on there, like when you're when you're doing coverage, you have like the second most the the, the second highest amount of energy in Magic, uh, right behind. Uh, oh my goodness, from Watsy himself. Like what, 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 what? Who am I thinking of? Zach Hill. No, not Zach Hill. Um, that guy's super energetic. Designer. Uh, in the Walking the Plains videos all the time, the Archvillain. Rosewater. Oh, Mark oh. Rosewater. Yeah, Rosewater. Rosewater has the most energy in Magic. You have the second most energy in Magic. That's a compliment. So it is. I I never like. I don't I don't ever see or like kind of look or understand how people view me at commentary. Like I think that there are things that I do well. I think there are things that I do poorly. Um. I do try to keep the energy level really high because I want to make it fun for people to watch. So, but like, to put it in perspective, my daughter will watch you stream. She this... won't watch me watch <laughs> other people stream. She can't deal with that, but you are energetic and lively enough that she'll watch you stream. My daughter's turning one on Saturday. Um, so oh. she's just a little one, but like, she likes the excitement of a SETI stream. So That's awesome. Yeah. So you have a fan in my daughter. Yes. But like that's like the thing where it's like trying to find those different pieces. And Matthias is not high on the energy, but what he brings is just like this like really cool, calm, calculated uh way to the game, and that's what I enjoy. Also, I really, he's just like a super sweet person. I've had great interactions with him. Yeah, he's a person. Oh my so it's it's really like it's just not fair because like people just don't know him. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. People just don't know him. Like when I when we did our show in Dallas, I don't know if you guys know this. He's insane at karaoke. Yes, 
because yes. he went to school for music, which like people I didn't know that until I was with him in the hotel room because like I was like kind of listening to some music and then like we got in a conversation about like singing and like I had heard from Kipler and Chapin were just both like after like, a Grand Prix everyone's like holy shit Matthias is good at karaoke yeah and so I was like Matthias I heard that you were like really good at karaoke and he was just like yeah I'm okay. And like really humble about it, and I'm just like, I don't know, man. Chapin and Kibler are two pretty hard guys to impress. They said you were great, and he's like, well, you know, I went to school for you know music, and I'm like, really? And then he like got in like this really lengthy conversation about music, and then we were talking about how like I'm tone deaf, and I can't really sing without the songs being on. He's like, and then he explained to me why that is, (laughs) and it's about like matching pitch and all this stuff. And he's like, here, match this pitch with me. And he's like, so you're not tone deaf, you just have to learn how to match pitch accordingly. And I'm just like holy crap (laughs) you know like i i think that like you know because my personality for example is just very accessible online like i think everyone knows like who i am and what i like magic the nba some video games stuff like that like you know people have a good idea of who i am like music level only by 12 year old girls absolutely paramore is the best (laughs) like people people know who i am because i've made my personality really accessible and matthias isn't there and again like I, I still, I find it very funny. Like, I don't think that people understand how good Matthias is at magic. Like, people look at me as, like, a really good magic player. And, like, realistically, like, I know what my accomplishments are, which are, like, two Grand Prix top eights and a Pro Tour top eight. And Matthias just, like, has me covered as far as accomplishments go. And, like, I, people are just like, man, you're so good at magic. And I'm just like, dude, the guy next to me has just won so much more than me in such a shorter amount of time. Yeah. If you want advice in the last match, Go talk to him. <laughs> Have you ever watched his like streams where he's like doing his testing and it's like the metery thing and it's like it has no actual like, commentating or anything like that. It's just like the him and whoever he's playing against just play testing and they just have a camera on in the background. So yeah, he like, so he streams okay. for the metery. He and Jeff Hooglin both. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember watching a few of his streams and stuff like that. And again, just like watching him play the game and explaining to his opponent why he's doing his things and how he's like definitely two or three turns ahead all the time when he's like playing control and stuff like that. And it was just, again, it's just the way that he's thinking it, the way that he's explaining it to the person he's testing with. And just, he seems like he would be a fantastic testing partner. I would like to test with him for a pro tour. I would, I can safely say I, I would want to do that. Yeah. I like the way that he approaches Matt. I think that we approach magic in like a similar way. Like, like I'm very intuition based and he's very analytical, but at the same time, like I can respect his analytical opinion because he can, um, he can explain what he's thinking. Yes, it's very that. And that's such a crucial tool when you're talking about team building and, and exercises, right? Because like communication is such a paramount tool. And if you can't articulate yourself properly from, for whatever justifications you're trying to provide, then it's it's just about impossible to get buy in. So yeah, I mean, long story short, I am a big Matthias fan. I I have felt for some time that people are just wrong about him. That's all. Yeah, that, that's what it is. It's just people being wrong. But I can't. I also can't make people feel a certain way. Speaking of people feeling a certain way, any time for uh, ladies in your life, Cedric? I wish. I do. <laughs> I've tried. It's kind of hard. Um, the problem is, is that I travel forty weeks a year. Uh huh. It's not really conducive to a relationship. Uh, trying to find someone who is just like, okay, my boyfriend is not going to be home Friday, 
like because like I leave every morning. I, I'm at the airport every morning like by like 7 a.m. on Friday to travel wherever I'm going, unless it's like a West Coast show. And then Monday I fly back, and you know I'm obviously exhausted from flying all day and working on the airplane. So it's like, yeah, you're basically going to get me like some of Monday night, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Are you okay with that? And the answer <laughs> oftentimes is no. No. <laughs> <laughs> So I think the key is that you just need to find like the female equivalent of Jeff Foster who's at every magic event <laughs> and date them. So this is going to sound like really short-sighted or whatever. I don't know if short-sighted is the word, but I don't want to date someone who plays magic. Okay. Like because like there are a couple reasons. One, magic is something I deal with like 12 hours a day. It's your job. Yeah. And also, like, there's a very high likelihood that I don't look at magic the same way that my that like my girlfriend would look at magic because I'm uber competitive. So, like, I don't think that they would probably see things the same way. It's not to say that that's impossible, but like, I don't think that things would line up the same way, and like that would kind of probably make things frustrating for me. So, like, I I would actually prefer to date someone who like like tolerates that like tolerates not the right word, but like is accepting of magic and realizes like what I do for a living. But, like, they don't want to come to tournaments with me. Because, like, I kind of look at, net, like, if I were to go to a tournament, that's, like, my kind of, like, me doing my hobby and having my own, like, alone time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just, like, something I would prefer. Like, that's my outlook on it right now. Not not to say that that, like, can't be changed. Like, you know, who's to say that, like, I just don't meet some awesome girl who plays Magic that I just want to be around 24-7. And then when I get done editing articles and working on projects for the day, you know, hey, you want to test some standard? And she's like, totally, let's do that. Like, that's not impossible. But it just seems unlikely because literally all I do is deal with magic all day, every day. I mean, you know what? If Tom can find Susie and and Frank can settle in, <laughs> then there's got to be hope for all of us, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not impossible. It's definitely not impossible. Right now, it has been very difficult, like, finding a girlfriend. Like, I have been trying... I've been trying... Oh God! The fucking like match dot com. <laughs> yeah. yeah, laugh yeah. it up, buddy. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No, it's just the way you presented it was quite humorous. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like you were just sheepishly admitting it. Yeah, it's like yeah, I've been trying like the online dating thing because you know I don't, I'm not like a guy who wants to go to the bar. Like I'm not fucking 22 or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I don't have time to, hey, you want a couple of drinks, and then I'm going to take you home, and then hopefully I don't hate you when you wake up in the morning. Like, yeah. I am not doing that anymore. It's like, you know, I'm I'm kind of on the search for, like, a serious relationship at this point in my life because, I mean, I'm 28, and, you know, I, I work a lot. I don't have time to really dick around. And, you know, if, if that's something that happens, that would be really cool. But, like, I know for, like, the foreseeable future, my time is pretty much accounted for until Star City decides they hate me and don't want me to work there anymore. Sure. So, but you know, well, and it will inevitably happen. So maybe that's when free time will occur. Nice. Well, all the best of luck. Thank you. This Thank was a, this was a lot of fun. Well, we should do it more often. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I hate you guys, so that's not going <laughs> to happen. And I hope your podcast dies, and I hate you. <laughs> See, okay, if I do has die, then you'd probably agree with Miscoli on another thing. So just just putting that out there. Ooh, good point. I hadn't considered that. Yeah. So. No, this was an absolute blast. If you guys want to do it again sometime, I would absolutely love to. I 
really, really enjoy and respect the work that you guys do. Like I said earlier, I am uh, pretty jealous of the things you guys are able to do that I can no longer do. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? It's We've come a long way, man. Like, we've been doing it a long time now, and, you know, it's we are a far cry from the days of <laughs> rampant running at the mouth to whomever <laughs> about whatever. <laughs> We we understand that uh, a little bit better the concept of reach and impact. So we try. That is be, completely fair. We try to be a little bit more responsible. Man, I don't remember those dark days. <laughs> no, I just had flashbacks. <laughs> there were some pretty horrific episodes. If we actually go back, and I'm sure our <laughs> listeners would be happy to remind us. But like, I was. I can tell you. I know for sure the episode that Medina got fired. I was so drunk that episode that I was like, like so drunk. I have never been that drunk podcasting in my life. I have been that drunk like maybe four times in the last. 10 years like that's how drunk i was and you know that, uh, that really makes a lot of sense in in hindsight fucker i was so tanked <laughs> i was not like i wouldn't let anything go i was like bad mouthing everybody and their ever and everything oh i was so salty too so i was just like angry drunk oh god it was terrible don't have like, this 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 childlike awesomeness like you know it's like and how did that happen you know like just like this like oh yeah it was like there was a kid there, and I was just like trying to figure out. It's like, how is Scotty getting into like this? Like, yeah, wow. I was I was fucking so hammered. I think I like I literally think I drank at like twenty ounces of fucking rum in lemonade in the span of like two hours before podcasting. I was fucking hammered. Yeah, it was it was. I mean, like I was a big guy, I could take my booze. I guess no longer. No, no, far less, far less. I've I've learned to drink more responsibly. More specifically, unless I'm booze cubing. Cedric, that is something we need to do, by the way. Oh yeah. If You've I heard... could ever get to one of these Grand Prix up near you guys, Boston. When and is it's it? July twenty fifth, and it's modern. Wait, is this, this? I think this is actually the weekend I requested off of work. Hold on. <laughs> it's it's Boston and it's, it's modern. Not... Karn doesn't care. Yeah, and no, I, I think I specifically requested this weekend off so I could play in that tournament. Tom, Tom has already said he's going. He's already agreed to Boost Cube, so that's already happening. What's the weekend again? July 20... Oh, no. Wait, 19th? Hold on. I'm going to tell you. Say the 12th. No. 25th, 26th. Or 26th. No, wait. 19th, 20th. Wait, is that right? No. 26th, 27th is for sure. Yeah. Friday the 25th, Saturday the 26th, Sunday the 27th. It says I'm scheduled to do the Kansas City show. Hold on. I thought I got that weekend off. I was, like, pretty sure I did. Damn You're it. man now. Just man it up. Just man, just, yeah, pull the man card. How did I get scheduled for that? I was pretty sure I had that fucking weekend off. Come on! Hey, man. Hey, man. Oh, Matthias. More Matthias. You're actually like you're you're booked pretty solid there. You must have asked for that weekend off, man, because you're doing like every single show. There's no break for you in between there. There are no breaks. Breaks breaks are not a thing anymore. <laughs> breaks are not a thing, Scotty Mac. It's too bad, brother. Kansas City's pretty nice, but I, man, I remember specifically being like, yeah, I'm gonna go to Worcester, and it's like the only modern term I get to play in this year because like I don't get to go to Minneapolis this weekend, so. Yeah. I guess not. Figure it out. Make it happen. Do yeah. the right thing, Cedric Phillips. I, talk, I can talk to some people. 
and see what I can get done. There's people. Well, I'll tell you, if you make it, there's a boost cube in it for you. I'm interested. I, I, I am a big fan of the boost cube. And if I somehow go or, I mean, there's, there's like a GP in Toronto. It feels like once a year or somewhere in Canada near you guys. <laughs> it seems like you guys get like one a year. I think Ottawa would be one where there'd be people going to it. Yeah. Yeah. Ottawa's in November, I think. Yeah. So the, Canada in the cold. Pretty sure. Pretty sure that full month is booked up. <laughs> oh, oh, look, every show in November, five in a row. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be a really busy schedule. I don't even I don't know if I'm ever gonna get to go to Grand Prix again to play. Just don't burn out, brother. Don't burn out. I'm trying really hard not to. So ooh, here's a fun question. I don't yeah. even know if all this stuff is gonna be on the show. I'll obviously let you guys edit it and do whatever. Um <laughs> What are your thoughts on self vacation? Self vacation? You go on a vacation by yourself. Lame or not lame? Super lame. <laughs> That depends. Are you going like? So here's the thing. No, if you're, irrelevant. If, no, no, irrelevant. not irrelevant. If you're going, if you're going to a singles resort. Oh yeah, sorry. If you're going to fuck people, I'm down. You're not right? really by yourself. None of it. You're on a fuckcation. <laughs> yeah. But if you're just like going to fly to the Grand Canyon to see it, and you're going by yourself because you yeah. think it would be fun. I mean, that's... Ripping I mean, and the tearing. Do you go to the movies by yourself? Um, oh, man. Some people most totally part, do that. Some people do. <laughs> uh, for the most part, no. Right. Like, I saw Captain America 2 by myself because I had it's a just, couple hours ago. That's such a weird stigma, too, that one, because, like, I'll watch a movie at home by myself, like, in the dank with nobody around. Uh, but if I... Like, I would never go to a movie. <laughs> I would never... <laughs> I would... I would never it, like. I would not go to your house and watch a movie by myself at your house. <laughs> That's fucking weird. And that would probably be free. I would not. I would not do that. So what I'm you looking at you, you said you had a couple hours to kill. I would do almost anything, anything else. Anything else. <laughs> almost. I would go on Match.com. I would do almost. <laughs> yeah. I had already exhausted that for the day, probably. <laughs> Didn't find any. So what are you doing? So in September, I am. I have like two or three weeks off in September, I think. And I'm considering just going to Honolulu for like five days to get away from everything and just like do nothing for five days. Hmm. Like, I mean... lay on the, like lay on the beach, have some good food, like... You know, have some drinks. Like, I, you know, if I run into a girl or something, sure, that's awesome. But it's just like, get away for five days. Like, not have to worry about articles for five days. Not have to worry about coverage for five days. Like, just away from Twitter and Facebook and everything. Just like leave the stuff. phone in the safe. Like, yeah, that's like, it. Just by myself for five days. I mean, if you need it, right? Like, I can. Like, I understand the desire to do so. But I mean, like, I. I don't think that's a I normal. Feel like I'm it's, a no, a it's not a normal social occurrence. Yeah, I'm in like a I Tom agree. Hanks movie or something. What the <laughs> fuck are we talking? Wilson. <laughs> I have given this a lot of thought. Like I, it's like I, I probably shouldn't care if it's lame or not. Like I, I do think that I have been doing like you know this kind of ridiculous schedule for almost a year now, and you, Scotty, and you guys have probably seen like my schedule for the rest of the year, <laughs> yeah. and it's just like 
there are like it's just a show every week. Like that's just what it's gonna be. Like the breaks are just becoming few and far between as we close out, you know, twenty fourteen and and I don't know, I thought it was like a good idea to just be like 'cause like I could just stay here in Seattle and do nothing or whatever. That's but not I would, enough. Yeah, but like that's yeah. not enough. Like it's just like I would be at home and you know, I would probably like fire up moto and just like, you know, do some stuff and like just kinda lounge around and not do anything and maybe see my friends here a little bit. But like that's not a vacation really. Like that's not me clearing my mind. Yeah. So do you need peace of mind or do you need to like go and cut loose? Because like the suggestion actually should be hop on a plane and go to Amsterdam. I mean that's not like that like I hate Europe and I don't smoke. No, that's fine. There's a lot to do in Amsterdam. <laughs> what the fuck? We are gonna get so much backlash from that. You don't I fucking hate Europe. <laughs> you can't say that shit for some reason. I don't know why. Well shit I can't. But uh like the other day I said I hate dogs and then someone was like, What the fuck? I met people that don't like dogs. I never met a person who doesn't who hates fucking dogs. You can't hate dogs. Nobody hates dogs. Well it's like, yeah, I fucking hate dogs, I'm a cat person. And they were like, Oh my god, we can't be friends. You just said that. And uh and I don't know if you can say that you hate Europe. I mean I probably hate Europe too. But I don't hate Europeans. I hate Europe. Uh the beds are small. I'm fat. The showers are smaller. I'm fat. Um, it's like in America and presumably Canada. Canada, like if you want to go eat at two a.m., you can do that. And like that's like kind of a struggle in Europe. It seems like like I like I am very I am very trained in my ways of just like I know if I need something, where to go, when to get it, like. There's just no questions asked. I know exactly how I can do the things that I want to do at any point in time. In Europe, I am just like in unfamiliar surroundings, and it makes me uncomfortable. Also, their beds are small. Sure, and you're fat. I get it. Yeah, yeah, it's unacceptable. It's a circular statement. <laughs> so yeah, I I am considering going to Honolulu for like four or five days and just like vegging out and not doing anything and just being away from everything. Like I don't. I don't want to see a magic card. I don't want to load up a magic website. I just want to sit there and do nothing. Why don't you go to, like, the Dominican or something? I, that's an option. Like, Hawaii got... Hawaii sucks so many balls. Seriously, it's really it's bad. It's so wow. shitty. It's so expensive. And you fly for fucking ever. ever. And it's not even that hot. And everybody there is a white American from the Midwest. <laughs> So you're not escaping fucking anything. You are just eating the same shit that you eat at home, and you're talking to the people about the same shit that you talk about at home, and you're seeing the same cars that you see at home because it's America, where they have regular cars on regular roads with regular fucking lights and regular restaurants. Yeah. The only, honestly, the only difference is sometimes if you're lucky, the bread's a little sweeter. And aside from that, the milk fucking costs $8 a gallon. So, oh, but like, the liquor is sure. cheap, though. Sure, sure. The milk is very expensive. Yeah. Because, I mean, no, like... It's, they... like well, it's just a shithole. Fuck that place. <laughs> wow. I don't oh. think I've ever ordered milk when I was on vacation. <laughs> don't you eat breakfast? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Hello. 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 Yeah. No, no. When I'm on vacation, I eat, like, good breakfast. 
Yeah, that's true. Like, I don't know. I was, don't just I'm summoning it at home. I was just solid, like, being solid with Scotty because I knew he needed an ally there, but. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? See, that's just taking one for the team. I like that. I mean, like, I don't even drink milk, truthfully, but I just know that it's $8 a gallon because when I went with people, it was all they complained about. So, mm-hmm. there you go. I love my time there. Like, but, uh, maybe it's because I was with my best friends and it was for a wedding, but I really enjoyed my time in Hawaii. I know, I've been to Hawaii three times. I really liked it. Yeah. Where'd you I mean, go you, to Hawaii? I've been to Honolulu all three times. Oh, see, that's where I went, and I hated it. But apparently everybody that goes to fucking Oahu is, it's like the best thing ever. So Yeah, yeah. now he sucks. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. Like, I, I that, that three month, there's a three-week period in September where I don't have to do shows, and I would like to take advantage of it because... Uh, October, November, December is like a show every day. Yeah. So, that's all. All the best of luck to you, sir. Well, the wife and I, whenever we go on vacation, we love going to Seattle. That's so, great. you should check that out. <laughs> You're right. I, w- <laughs> I will. <laughs> I'll see what I can find to do in the city. <laughs> Underground tour is a lot of fun if you haven't done that. Uh, I have not done that, but I have actually heard the same thing. Yes, you should. It's actually pretty good. I could die down there. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Chances are, though, if you need some uh, accompaniment, like that, that's actually what the Underground had a good reputation for. So uh, if you needed, uh, as Jay put it, the fuckcation, the Underground used to be the place to be. Bang. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> I am interested. <laughs> Cedric, thanks so much, man, for joining us tonight. It was uh, an, a wicked time. We always enjoy talking to you even though we don't do it enough interacting with you on social media and stuff's awesome and we uh we look forward to seeing you every week on uh mostly every week <laughs> uh on the star city games live circuit so is there <laughs> is there anyone you want to kind of like say hi or shout out to before we call this a night uh i'm happy that jerry t is back so thanks jerry t for coming back to magic because that's awesome and thanks, everybody, for listening, and I hope you guys enjoy our coverage, because we're trying really hard to make it as good as we can for you, along with the content on SCG and everything like that. Um, work my ass off. I hope it's uh, I hope it's stuff that you guys enjoy. Wicked. All right, boys. Uh, KYT, I will see you this weekend. Yes, yes, you will. I will see you Saturday. Uh, in the meantime, Jay, Jeremy. Yo. Good night, gentlemen. It was a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. I think so. Yeah. Cedric, buddy, peace out. All right, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.